Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I like We've it. already this seen how be, on the job works for presidential candidates. I mean, you know, it, it hasn't worked now. I'm not, I'm, not in, I'm not in support of on the job training for presidents anymore, you know. All right, we are live. Let's just take a moment to introduce ourselves. My name is Ben Jarofsky uh, from the Reader newspaper, and you are? Samina Mustafa, host of Hand the Mic. And you are? Stephanie Scora, a writer of The Girl, I Guess, Voter Guide. All right, and we're doing this live. And then, Dennis, we're going to record this and drop this as a podcast on our show. Is that correct? Yes. All right, I like that. <laughs> you guys couldn't have confirmed that before we got out. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, that's called uh, pre-show planning. All right, uh, so Samina, uh, State of the Democratic Party, in your humble opinion, as we uh, enter with the votes are just coming in for New Hampshire, is it a total disaster? Yeah, uh, the fact that they released that Bloomberg got two write-in can- uh, like write-in votes this morning, or, or you know, right after midnight, and then this video or this this audio dropped of his speech, 2015 oh, no. speech from Aspen. Um, I think it's a perfect encapsulation of the Democratic Party. Um, really the party is, yeah. that says it's it's the party with a black voter base, but has a billionaire running on a stop and frisk policy. So so that's the state of the Democratic Party. You know, I, I saw this morning, I think it was either this morning or this afternoon, um, we reached peak 2020 when Donald Trump called Mike Bloomberg racist. Yeah. Yes. And that was really just, I threw up my hands and I said, you know what, fuck it. We've all... We all died in 2016 after the Cubs won the World Series, and now we're just living in electoral purgatory. Uh, all right, so just uh, uh, just everybody knows that uh, this uh, tape, a recording of Michael Bloomberg giving a speech in 2015, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, bubbled up to yeah. the surface, and they said some pretty outrageous things in it about how... Uh, he doesn't he, like black people. But, well, he didn't literally say that, but in, in so many words, it was okay was to arrest them. He was defending the stop and frisk yeah. policy. Even in regards to marijuana. Right. And, and he was trying to suppress that uh, from leaking, but Benjamin Dixon was actually the, the reporter that, mm. that leaked it, uh, got the scoop. And so uh, in, the, uh, as, uh, in the aftermath, Donald Trump tweeted out, as you were saying, Steph, yes. that uh, uh, Michael Bloomberg is a racist. Uh, and then he sent substantive- Which, in his defense, is true. And I think that's the only time I'll say in his defense in reference to Trump. Yeah. Uh, although, look who's talking. Uh, <laughs> not literally you, but Donald Trump. Yeah. So uh, it's, yeah. it's very it's very much you know calling uh, the pot calling the kettle oppressive of black people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we're talking about Michael Bloomberg. He's not even on the ballot here in New Hampshire today, uh, but we're talking about him because what he's got fifty nine billion dollars worth of money. He's going to set. He says he'll spend up to five billion. Probably spend more mm-hmm. if necessary. Um, and uh, so you got to take him very seriously. Uh, even if he's not on, he won't be on the first uh, four states, the first four contests. But he's bought his way into the debates. And I think that that was, you know, that was a real indicator that this process for the DNC is truly crumbling back into 2016 and pre-2016 form um, when they abandoned their own rules, which have kicked every candidate of color off the debate stage in order to let the crustiest candidate of all essentially buy his way onto the national platform. 
Yeah, I feel like we are living in a Simpsons episode to bring... To we take, really are! ...to take the, the crusty the Clown metaphor oh, uh, no. to the next level. Um, but, it, like, let's... Okay, we have... We had at every cycle. There's somebody who's sort of like, who's the moderate who's going to take down Bernie Sanders? Because mm-hmm. that's really what seems to be animating the sort of the establishment yes. uh, about this primary is how do we stop Bernie? Even just the reporting post Iowa, um, the fact that you know Bernie like didn't speak about the result and nobody did, and then Pete all of a sudden at midnight shows up and said, Iowa, you've <laughs> you've you've shown the world. I was like. Shown the world what exactly? With zero percent yeah. reporting. <laughs> you've, I have shown you don't know how to create or use an app. That's what you've shown the world. So, um, but yeah, so this is this is the crux of it. Is everybody's trying to come up with a Bernie killer, and I feel like there's complete. Um, really just a repudiation of the Democratic voter base, which clearly Absolutely. is drawn to, you know, whether it's precisely just uh, Sanders, it's certainly his policies, mm-hmm. right? Even in states that are coming up, like South Carolina, I can't remember the exact number, but they're showing huge support for things like Medicare for All. So Absolutely. It's like, but, you know, Pete you know, tweeted that he supported Medicare for All, and then now he's... Took it back. Yeah, and now he's yeah. Medicare for All who wanted. Amy Klobuchar, you know... As much as you know, we we joke about the the clob, as you call her. Um, the clob. She, <laughs> she has never said she would support it, but no. again, she, again, it is the mystery of the universe that she has appeared on every single debate stage because she just she has this. She's cornered that centrist. I want to vote for a centrist, and I want to vote for a woman market. Right. So. When I think it was also really notable is not just not just is the Democratic Party's voter base behind Bernie Sanders. I think they're behind progressivism as a whole. Right. Because you know, a lot, not a lot of people talked about it. But who came in third in Iowa yeah. was Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Uh, Wait, she, who is, is she still running? Yeah, and, and, and Elizabeth <laughs> the, Warren the way picked up talking, several delegates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're basically acting like she she's that they are erasing her candidacy, especially and in the in that coverage. Absolutely, well, and I you know I will say she did she has clearly lost the the quote unquote progressive primary to right. Bernie Sanders. But I think it is notable that she's still picking up large amounts of votes. I saw some reporting that said that she got the most votes in the bluest county in Iowa and also the reddest county in Iowa, which I think, you know, for um, for a candidate who's running not as a unity candidate, but just as a bona fide progressive and a policy wonk, that's a great sign for the progressive wing of the Democratic right. Party is that the progressive wing's second choice is really picking up some important votes in some important areas. So do you think when you see the opposition uh, that, against Bernie, and I hear it all the time on the show when people come in the show who are centrists, uh, Steph, then, and mm-hmm. they just uh, they immediately take after Bernie Sanders. When you see that opposition, Meh. do you think it's based in uh, his policies, his ideological view, or do you think it's like a high school fight left over from 2016 and it's a personality spat, they're still mad at him uh, because they blame him, Bernie Sanders, for the loss of Hillary Clinton? Yes. Um, <laughs> so you think it's the latter? <laughs> no, I, so I, I can I, live with policy. Well, I, I, so I, th- I think it's all of those, really. Right. I, I think it's all of those. Is, you yeah. know, I, I do believe that there are genuinely moderate voters in the Democratic voter base. We know that there are, and I think that they have some policy disagreement with Bernie Sanders. I also think that there's a lot of the high school fight stuff going on, and I also think that there's uh, quite a bit of opposition to Bernie and his supporters. Uh, there's a lot of, I've seen a lot of talk on, you know, progressive and, and lefty Facebook about how folks just can't support him because of maybe the backlash that they've faced 
from Bernie, from quote unquote Bernie bros, uh, or the vitriol that they've seen from his supporter base, or what they've heard about uh, Bernie supporters saying or doing. And there's a lot of people who don't support him for all three of those reasons, but there is certainly at least three prongs of a movement to, to stop Sanders. And so far, I mean, we're at, what are we at right now? Uh, the best thing that I could find is 4% in in New Hampshire. Bernie's leading by about um, 600 votes over Pete Buttigieg somehow. Um, and uh, you know, Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren are, are in third and, uh, third and fourth, and it seems like Bernie is poised to do pretty well. So your take on the uh, why there's opposition to Bernie Sanders? I, I think she's right. There's, I think there are, there ideologically, the policies that he's been pushing for a long time now, for decades, and you know they've like things like Medicare for all have been out there for a long time, even before he was pushing mm -hmm. them. The concept of universal health care, excuse me, but um, it's not new. Yeah, it's not new. It's not a, you know Sanders didn't invent it, but he obviously has been a, pretty much the the sort of the more recent sort of messenger of this of this policy. But so I think there's opposition ideologically, you know, policy-wise against what he's pushing mm -hmm. and trying to discredit him as a as a dreamer, as somebody who is not going to be able to implement anything yes. he's talking about. Um, we've already seen even before he's he kind of. Uh, came back into this race. So, um, you know, people like Pramila Jayapal, who's actually endorsed him, and she's the house sponsor mm -hmm. of Medicare right. for All. And so that's, um, it's funny because she had, she sort of waited a little bit to, to endorse him, which is the, her bill, Jayapal, you know, herself an, an immigrant born in India, um, a progressive, uh, co-chair of the Progressive Caucus, when you've got the base of those ideas growing and there's more messengers, there's there's actually, it's you're seeing, you know, folks in, from Washington to Vermont mm -hmm. support these progressive policies. And so to deny them is simply, as far as I can tell, looking just to, you know, corporations, lobbyists, and say, well, what what's them or what's best for them? And it's I've the done, active detriment of the party. It's, yeah. it's like they're trying to lose. Right. And but even even with this sort of like, oh, Bernie's, you know, not good with women or people <laughs> the most prominent <laughs> progressive women of color are endorsing yeah. him. So again, yes, has Bernie made mistakes on race and um are there supporters of his who are, can be toxic? Absolutely. Yes. But I got to tell you, um I, just get off Twitter. If you don't want to be <laughs> trolled, do not be on Twitter. Like, it, Twitter is for trolls. I'm sorry. Yes. There's like, there is, I can never, I cannot, like, every single person, um, I'm sure there's a, there's a Klobuchar troll armies out there oh, somewhere. No. I'm sure, oh, no, no. I'm sure of it. There are people, it, Twitter is for trolls. The Clobber gang. The, yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. You, you should tell her that she can. I mean, like, I mean, if, if, Amy Klobuchar can't use anything in my for free. She has to pay me. She's got some of that pack money. But uh, what I, I, she does. She does. Yeah. As, as I'll she, take some. I, as she does uh, because she's defending uh, private insurers. So, yeah. but what I'm saying is, Twitter and the 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 extremely online folks are one subset. You know, you talk to just regular voters. They aren't obsessed with Twitter. They're not in Twitter fights. They're not, you know, they're not concerned about things that are trending. Mm -hmm. Like I remember after, I can't remember which um, debate it was, but you know, uh, Bernie fans were tweeting snakes at Warren. Yeah. Um, but I'd say like, you're looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking yeah. about. But because again, that is extremely yeah. online. That is not important. And here's the issue though. 
people are, you know, knocking on doors, making phone calls, but then somebody who has billions and billions of dollars can inundate the airwaves. And I can't remember mm -hmm. what the number was, but it's like a, one of the Pew surveys looked at how many folks of a certain demographic get their news from TV news. Mm -hmm. Right. And folks in the demographic that are most likely to vote, you know, people my parents' age and right around there, they're watching, they're still watching CNN, MSNBC, right. the Fox News, whatever it is. And they're seeing those thousands of like Bloomberg ads. But so Bloomberg had more, Bloomberg and Trump both had ads during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. And Bloomberg had more ads. Yeah. So. Well, but, no, uh, during the Super Bowl? Yeah. Uh, no, Trump actually had two to one. I actually know this. There was there was that. one uh, during the. There were two. Uh, there, were two there, there were two Bloomberg ads during the uh, the presentation of the trophy. Did I miss that? How did I miss the? They Bloomberg both came ads at the end. Presentation of the trophy. Yeah. I saw the two Trump ads. I was waiting for the mass Singer. Yeah. That, <laughs> I I, uh, I saw the the Trump ad, which was a very peculiar ad, which mm. it sort of plays in line with uh, his tweet. Yes. That Bloomberg is a racist. Uh, Trump did an ad. Where uh, he had was featured uh, Alice Marie Johnson, who was a right. woman that yeah. uh, he whose sentence he commuted, and the notion was that somehow Donald Trump has been uh, fair to people who've been uh, wrongfully convicted or mm -hmm. been or over penalized with the conviction than any Democrat, which is an which, interesting concept. For which we know is ludicrous. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it is. It's utterly ludicrous. Just the notion that Donald Trump. Uh, criticizing Michael Bloomberg for being a racist right. of all people who's unleashed racism in this campaign. But uh, no, I, I, I got a, the, the sense that you, you, Samina, you seem to think that uh, Bloomberg and Bernie are going to go down the wire, that that's the, the centrist who's going to uh, last the longest. Well, it's, it's, it's scary that he has so much money. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to remind you of a race that happened not too long ago in our lovely state of Illinois. <laughs> yeah. um, what race we, was that? <laughs> for governor, mm. Ben, for governor. Oh my we, God, remember? the wall-to-wall -wall Pritzker yeah, ads. Remember, oh I mean, like, I, I don't watch broadcast news very often, but every single time I opened up any social media app, Pritzker, I was getting Pritzker, Pritzker, a, Pritzker, Pritzker. a Pritzker, I almost said Bloomberg. I was getting <laughs> inundated with Pritzker ads, and I was like, oh my God, how is he finding me? Like, I am getting another one. It was uh, like there a, were so many, I almost didn't vote for him because like, of that alone. It was like whack-a-mole. You could not escape him. And I think he had one specifically on, like, education or, like, school meals or something. And I was like, oh my God, I just can't see this again. But again, it, it worked. And it's kind of terrifying. So we were like, like I said, I've said this when, when Trump got elected back in 2016. We unfortunately seemed to like have these weird trends happening in Illinois. We elected Rauner, mm -hmm. you know, just a few years before. It's like, oh, people are tired of democratic machine politics. They're tired of the establishment. Yeah. Let's get a newcomer in. He's, he's, we're not sure if he's a billionaire, but he's got a lot of money. Yeah. And he's going to be able to like fund all of our Republican uh, primaries. I mean, think about the, the, the state rep race that Juliana Stratton ran. Yeah. How much of that was funded by uh, Bruce Rauner on the other uh, Ken side? Ken Duncan, yeah. Yeah, Ken yeah. Duncan, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. So like this, <laughs> there's precedent for this. Yeah. And so it, it's scary how much of that, and think about it, the, the similarities are eerie. We all know about the FBI recordings that came out about Pritzker, and yet he still won the primary, and he still won the governorship. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, and, and you know, I'm I'm inclined to agree actually that Pritzker's uh, not Pritzker, good God, uh, Bloomberg is going to be the last uh, the last centrist standing, if only because he will not run out of money. He has no reason to drop right. out. He right. can go to the convention. Yeah. 
just because he wants to. He has right. no he, he has no limits on how long he can keep campaigning. He has no limits on how poorly he can do right. and still keep going. I mean, eventually, Buttigieg and Klobuchar and Joe Biden, who, by the way, is nowhere to be found. CNN is reporting that he's in South Carolina no, right he now. Left. Yes. He um, left. He left the state he, earlier. He, just, he left. Yeah. He's currently in fi- a fifth place, a distant fifth place in New Hampshire. All these centrists who have to keep fundraising and fundraising and fundraising, eventually, if they do badly enough, they have right. to drop out. Right. And Bloomberg has so, no such limitation. All right. Well, right. let me ask you this question then. Uh, so you, you brought up Pritzker to compare him to Bloomberg. I've been pleased with Pritzker's performance as governor, at least the legalized reefer. And uh, it's just fun from the record. <laughs> you just call people. it reefer? Yeah, yeah. I generally do. <laughs> uh, so uh, he legalized it, which I'm very uh, you know, appreciative of. So do you, and somewhere... Uh, in the back of your mind, harbor the hope that the Pritzker, uh, that Bloomberg will turn into a Pritzker type, that no. once he's bought the election, he'll no. suddenly find his inner FDR liberal and become a progressive? No chance. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening. Oh, and I, go ahead. Yeah, I know, no, I mean, no, I don't see that happening. I, I think there's some, I mean, obviously they're not the same person. They they're are different billionaires. They're different billionaires. Um, all billionaires matter. Um, but <laughs> they are different. And I, I think there's... Here's the other thing. is We, we knew... Um, <laughs> I think we had a sense of what Pritzker was going for. He had um, some things that he brought up early on. And, and I will say for you, I do remember some of the, 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 the things he brought up, specifically things like a progressive tax that were distinctly to the left of even where the, the, the state party was mm. two years ago. So that was, hope, that was different. Right. And I don't see even Bloomberg today, like, is he pushing for, say, a wealth tax? He's not, like, he, no. these are, there's some things. No. Now, could he be pushed? No. It's, <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's gonna be pushed to the, to the satisfaction of myself. Like, I, he won't right. be to the, he won't be as far left as I need him to be. I will not, here's the other thing we have to remember is that we keep talking about, I can't remember how many times I've watched a panel. We've got, uh, in the corner of the, the bar, we've got uh, MSNBC and CNN going, so we can see them. Um, Circling the on, empty parts of the map. Exactly, so we, but we can't, um, folks at home might be watching it while they're watching our Facebook Live, because you can multitask. Um, but the reality is, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a panel, and this is no exception, that we're talking about black voters, and there's no black voters on the panel. Yeah. So I just want to be clear that, like, let's, you know, th- there is a lot of sort of theorizing about, um, about what voters are going to do or what we expect them to do, mm-hmm. but very little acknowledgement of what voters want. Um, and it, that's, that's, I think, the real disconnect. Um, Bloomberg is, is somebody that I think some people might just be, say like, oh, he's got the money. He can beat Trump. But Trump is, I, I don't know if you saw that article in the Atlantic about the disinformation campaign mm-hmm. that's you know, roughly going to be a, about a billion dollars. There, it's, it's already been relentless. And so there's, there were even, <laughs> ironically, is it Tara or Tara McGowan who created the app was quoted in that article? <laughs> as being somebody who was going to work on the disinformation campaign on the Democratic side, so God help us, um, we're in trouble. Um, but yeah, that's... So wait, what's the disinformation campaign on the Democratic side? So that's, well, that's the question. Like, right. I, you know, do I, I do... That's, that was like the heart of that um, 
sort of part of that article is, do we as Democrats, as progressives, do we want to be stooping to that, that right. level? the dirty tricks. The reality is we don't have to go very far. We don't have to like make stuff up. Trump has done bad stuff and he said terrible things yeah. his entire career. Yeah, we don't have to lie. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, I think in terms of the, the difference between Bloomberg and Pritzker, you know, Bloomberg, we have to remember, is a former Republican, has right. created terrible policies like stop and frisk. Right. Pritzker was just some, you know, generic run-of-the-mill billionaire who wanted to be a governor, the governor of Illinois, and he ran on a progressive platform. He wasn't right. pretending, you know, he wasn't trying to run as a centrist. He wasn't trying to run as a compromise candidate. He wanted to run, you know, a real progressive platform. And, and to his credit, you know, he has done a very good job. I think we also sort of forgot what it was like to have a governor. Um, and so yeah. we're giving him maybe a little bit more credit than he's, than he's yeah. due as a progressive, but he's done some very good things and he's pushing yeah. some progressive ideas and he ran on that. Right. Whereas Bloomberg is explicitly running as a centrist. He's not really trying to make up for any of the horrible things that he's done before. The right. criticism that Elizabeth Warren gets for being a former Republican, like in the 90s or whatever, mm -hmm. that hasn't come up at all for Bloomberg. And I don't think the other candidates know just how seriously they have to take Bloomberg. All right. I'm going to try to defend Bloomberg. Here we go. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, so Michael Bloomberg, he wrote an essay for the New York Times this weekend. I don't know if you saw it, where he believed uh, that social inequity was one of the, probably the greatest domestic problem the country is facing, and that if elected president, uh, he would impose a higher tax. He would bring back the, the higher tax rate on the wealthiest people to try to have a little more progressivity in the way we fund government. He said that. Two, uh, Michael Bloomberg imposed uh, and uh, oversaw some horrific stop and frisk policing policies mm. when he was in New York, but uh, on the eve of running uh, for uh, a president, he went to a church uh, in Brooklyn and apologized for them. He was already moving away from those policies. Uh, so my point is, is that Michael Bloomberg clearly wants to be president so bad that he will now move to the left, and he'll probably uh, be sounding a lot like me in about a month if I give him enough time, <laughs> uh, and uh, will even apologize for the stupid things he did. He has not apologized for his charter school policies right. yet, but he probably hasn't. <laughs> somebody just said, "Ugh, in the <laughs> But he probably <laughs> hasn't. Indeed. The poll results haven't shown that he has to. Once right. they do, he, he may apologize. When, uh, so do you think he could? Apologize and move to the left. No. His way out of this. No. No. I and I and I think this is the thing with Bloomberg is you cannot unring some of these bells. Yeah. You know he has done terrible things. He has implemented and created policies that harmed the lives of millions of people. And you know he. I mean, sure, great. It's a good thing that he's apologizing for it. He needs to apologize for it. But I don't believe that an apology is going to ring true with enough Democrats that Bloomberg, you know, I, I think he's overestimating his own support. I also think that it's a dangerous proposition for the Democratic Party to attempt to get behind him at all because potentially the l least inspiring ticket that I can imagine is Bloomberg anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and this, is, this is my- That's a great t-shirt, Bloomberg anybody. anybody. Right, and, and this is, I've said this a number of times, um, more recently uh, in public as it's come up, but, uh, you know, I write the Girl, I Guess, Voter Guide. It's, it's a build as a progressive voter guide. We're not a blue no matter who operation. Right. There are candidates, if they get the Democratic nomination, that I will refuse to endorse. I will endorse a Green Party candidate over Mike Bloomberg. I will 
candidate over Joe Biden. I will endorse a Green Party candidate over Pete Buttigieg or Amy Klobuchar. I, I, I do not believe that some of these moderates are acceptable choices for president, and a lot of them carry the sort of you know, anti-poor, explicitly racist baggage that is going to be disastrous for the people in this country who are going to be most hurt and are being most hurt by a Trump administration. And I don't think that, you know, will, will Pete Buttigieg be better than Donald Trump? Sure, probably, but I don't want just better than Donald Trump. I want something that's gonna reverse the problems that Trump has caused, not open the door for Trump to run again and win in 2024. Right. What's your response to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's, there's a, a, a deep denial about the fact that Donald Trump didn't just come out of nowhere. Right. That he is a symptom, not a cause. And so, and that is, you know, that has led party in general to not really think about, oh, who do we want, you know, to be in the pipeline? Who right. do we want to support? What policies do we want to be about? It's funny, you're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote somebody you haven't heard about in a long time, but there was an interview the other day from Mike. For that guy? Oh, yeah, he's, he's still running. He's still in the race. He's still, still running. He's, he's got running. him. I know. We're, we're going we're gonna to have a, a – there's going to be a Bennett. There's somebody here on Team Bennett, I'm sure. Um, you know, but, he's, he's got 32 <laughs> votes right now in New well, Hampshire. So somebody – he's got a friend, you know. So um, the reason I bring him up is that he was being interviewed on NPR. And, and okay, so the guy is not getting on the debate stage, so he just has to go talk to people in smaller mm -hmm. gatherings. Yeah. And he said something that I was like, okay, some of you know, kids say the darndest things. He said, you know, people don't know what the Democratic Party stands for. Now, he has voiced a very, I'd say, centrist position. He has, I'm like, yes. But I absolutely agree with that statement. The Democratic Party doesn't have a clear message. We know what the Republicans stand for. They actually resisted. I mean, this is the 2016 Republican primary was a never was a lot of never Trumpers, and then Trump became the nominee. So it's sort of like some people are sort of saying like, okay, if you really want to fight Sanders, you're you know, you know, be careful what you you know wish won't happen because right. it might you might actually get the the same thing the Republicans were trying to fight. But here's the difference: once Trump got in office, I, you know, and I, I wrote the, about this basically they realized, even with all his gaffes and his tweets, whatever, they were still getting their agenda. So mm -hmm. they, that's why they've fallen in line, because they're getting their trillion exactly. dollar tax cuts. Exactly. They're getting their essentially white supremacist, white supremacist agenda. The problem with Democrats is, you know, if Bernie does actually win, they're going to be fighting him so Tooth hard. On, yeah, exactly. On all these things that a majority of Democratic voters want. Okay, so what you're really, what you're saying, the problem with Democrats is that the Democrats uh, are a more diverse party in terms of ideology. They're not rock solid. Well, the uh, party uh, doesn't listen well. No, no, no. No, but like when you talk about a Republican. No, the leadership has one point of view and the voter base has another. Yeah. What the voters have been voting for moderates and centrists, they're the ones who send the leaders to Washington. See, here's, here's my no, thing. But, but let, let's be clear. If we are faced, if we're always faced with, the, like, if this is the only choice you give me, and we have a duopoly, if, if you've ever tried to get on the ballot in the state of Illinois, oh, yeah, <laughs> there is the, the concept it. that anyone has ballot access is, is not true. Right. It, we in many states you have you have to be a Republican or a Democrat if you try if you try to run third party in this in this state, you have to get three times the number of signatures. It no. is it, you are handicapping anyone who wants to run independently. So that's one. Two, in especially like in, in conversations like we're having now, 
anyone who voices, you know, interest in a candidate that isn't um, that isn't uh, you know Biden or, or somebody who's sort of like the the, the media pick of the, of the day is like, oh, do you want Trump to win? Yeah. As if, well, first of all, they don't understand the function of a primary. As if he hasn't already won. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, um, so they're not understanding the function of the primary and really kind of encouraging people just to be engaged and have an opinion. And, and that's really kind of, you know, again, they're fighting people's participation because as soon as they voice their opinion, it's like, oh, no, 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 but you, you, you have to, you know, like, vote like a black woman, but don't listen to black women. I mean, it's like, that's exactly the message that I hear mm -hmm. over and over again. Um, and again, I, I do get that from uh, observing black Twitter, which is the only good place on the internet, yeah. just, just for, for folks who I've, are- I've heard. Yeah, so, but that's, that's the issue, is like, they're not listening to voters. A majority of Democratic voters want Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's- so, I agree with you on that yeah. point. When, yeah. and, I, and I do want to double down on something that I said before is, you know, I think we have to remember exactly who Donald Trump is. Donald Trump is a wannabe dictator. Donald Trump, Donald Trump is, you know, if he himself is not a fascist, he has certainly coddled fascists significantly. If, if a Democrat wins the 2020 general election, it's a fantasy to imagine Donald Trump is going to give up power easily. If a Democrat wins the 2020 general election, it is a fantasy to imagine Donald Trump is not just going to run again in 2024 and every single election after that, because he knows he can win a general election against a moderate Democratic nominee. And if, if the Democratic Party doesn't realize that, and I think, Samina, that's really what you're saying, is that if the party doesn't listen to the, not only its current voters, but the people that it wants to be its voters, right. the Democratic Party will never win another national election again because we've seen this movie before. Hillary right. Clinton won the popular vote but lost the Electoral College. And you know, as long as we have the Electoral College, the popular vote is really a consolation prize. You need to win both. Right. And Donald Trump has shown that he can win the Electoral College while significantly losing the popular vote. And yet the Democratic Party is at it again, trying to nominate somebody in the mold of Hillary Clinton not paying attention to the fact that she lost. She's not president right now. Right. There's nothing we can do to change that. No matter how many votes she got, they cannot make the same mistakes again. All right, let me just clarify something. So would you make a recommendation, when you say a recommendation, if uh, you say as a centrist or a moderate, uh, Amy Klobuchar or Michael Bloomberg were the Democratic nominee, uh, you could not in good conscience uh, endorse that person uh, for presidency, you would endorse a Green Party vote. Would you say that if you lived in Michigan? I mean, if I lived in, in a purple state, my calculus might be different. I'll, and I'll, I'll freely say that. But I live in the bluest part of a significantly blue yeah. state. Um, but you know that if people take your advice right, and when, vote uh, for the third party candidate, right. then maybe the Democrat wouldn't win. Well, then they need to nominate a better Democrat. I mean, this isn't the, this isn't the girl, I guess, you know, Democratic voter guide for Democrats who run and, might, and try to win elections. It's the girl, I guess, progressive <laughs> voter guide. If, if the Democrats don't put up a progressive option, I'm going to pick the most progressive option out there. And it's up to the party to nominate somebody who inspires me to vote for them, not up to me to convince people to vote for a nominee that doesn't inspire them. You feel the same way? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's, yes, thank you, Steph. Um, no, that, I've been basically saying the same thing. We, the, the Democratic Party does not, is running away from its base. And the Republicans are firing up their most sort of like fervent base. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and obviously they, they're using dark money and, and oh, yeah. you know, super PACs, um, you know, for the, the Mercers and the Cokes, all those folks have been 
creating an industry, the Federalist Society, you name it, for, you know, think tanks, uh, newspapers, uh, universities, mm -hmm. um, they've got a complete industry to sort of feed their agenda everywhere. Now, and as something as simple as folks who just say, well, you know, I don't want people to die. 45,000 people die every year because of lack of health insurance. Yeah. And, and so to make the case, hey, how many, like someone from NNU, legislative advocate said, you know, my message to people is, how many deaths do you want to be responsible for? Yeah. Like, if we are the party of unity, diversity, empathy, all those things, why can't we be on the side of people not dying? It, it just, it seems like pretty straightforward. Right. And so that's where, you know, I think people have lost Faith, I, I think I shared that um, article about McGovern uh, going back to 72, which I was, <laughs> I was, I was one years old, so I don't really, <laughs> I was not doing. <laughs> don't blame Samia. Yeah, I was, it wasn't my fault. I didn't, I could not vote. But I mean, like, it's interesting to me because I feel like there is, there are people who've been around that long and sort of see, oh, anytime we nominated progressive, we lost. But it's like, no, we have other data points of centrists who lost. Um, 2016 being the most yeah. recent right. example. Well, actually, there, uh, I, we did, the world wasn't divided in 1972 into progressives and centrists. That's like a, a more relatively recent right. phenomenon of dividing it. Uh, in the 1972 campaign, it's one of my favorite themes, uh, George <laughs> McGovern lost that election, got trounced by Richard Nixon, overwhelming uh, electoral, a real electoral college yeah. mandate, as opposed to the, the one, that, the phony one that Trump claims he won. And uh, as a result, the lesson that the Clintons took away from that and the Clintons' allies is that the Democratic Party should never move too far to the left and will constantly move to the right in order to win an election. And that has been the strategy of every single Democratic right. Party ticket yeah. since then, including the one, like Mondale, you know, Mondale was a reaction to, like, but we move more to the center. Uh, the Jimmy Carter was, was able, they were able to depict him as a weak liberal. Dukakis, the same thing, moving away from the Jesse Jackson. So you're right, that is the lesson that the Democratic Party is, uh, has lived under. What you two are uh, endorsing is frightening to anybody above the age of 60 who's a Democrat because their whole worldview is shaped. Actually, even younger people have embraced this idea. Their whole worldview is shaped mm -hmm. by the notion that a leftist cannot possibly win in this country, that there's a ceiling on the number of votes. Those are the same people who said Donald Trump could not win. Yeah. And, and, and here we are. And I think, you know, and, and when it comes down to it, I always ask, you know, these folks who are voting for Biden, who are voting for Klobuchar, who are voting for Buttigieg, almost all of them, and there are polls to indicate this, are blue no matter who people. As much as they may hate Elizabeth Warren, as much as they may hate Bernie Sanders, if Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders are the Democratic nominee, are these folks really going to turn around and vote for Donald Trump? I don't think so. But are progressives going to, progressives aren't going to turn around and vote for Donald Trump, no. but they will not vote. Or they'll vote for other offices besides the president. And I think... What, what the Democratic Party needs to realize is that playing to the, most, playing to the middle denomination of their party l actively loses them votes and actively loses them an increasing number of votes every year. I mean, th they've been trying to flip Texas blue for how many years now? 12, 16 years now? Yeah. And the reason Texas is not blue yet, because there's a blue demographic in Texas. Texas demographically is a blue state. 
The reason Texas hasn't voted Democrat in a general election is because the Democrats can't find anybody who inspires Latinos enough to turn out in the numbers to make that a blue state. The reason we still have Ted Cruz as a senator is because Hillary Clinton couldn't turn out enough Latinos in Texas to win that election for Beto. And this is going to keep happening, like Samina is saying. Well, well, and, and Beto did better. Yeah. But but there is you know there is that correlation to whoever wins and and, and this was true in 2016. Whoever whatever party won the it presidential election. Was Beto 2018? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but, yeah, but I see your point. Yeah, but, but it was but what, two years after. Hillary. Yeah. And and, and what I like to blame Hillary for everything, but I can't blame her for that. When, and and so and so this is the thing, <laughs> and that's and that's true. But I think one of the things we have to realize is the less one of the lessons of 2016 mm. is every state. The, pro the party that won the presidential election in that state won the Senate election in that state. I think every single one. And that was, uh, and, and if not in 2016, I think that was uh, certainly true in 2018. Whoever won the governor's race won the Senate race. Um, those two races are highly correlated. State level races are incredibly highly correlated. And if we, you know, it, on the one hand, we need to win the presidency back. Democrat, and I, I say we as though I'm a Democrat. I'm not a Democrat. I'm, I'm progressive and I'm a leftist. And I vote Democrat because that's the best option available to me that has a realistic chance of winning. But if we win the, if, if people who are not Republicans win the presidency back, it does not mean anything unless we also take back the Senate. And a presidential candidate that will inspire high turnout, like a progressive candidate will, yeah. will win back or has a better chance of winning back the Senate. And I don't believe that, you know, even. Even the best of the centrist choices, I don't believe that they'll have the turnout to either win, win the White House or win back the Senate. And we know with Mitch McConnell in charge of the Senate, nothing will get done. Well, I, I disagree with the point that it, it means nothing if the Democrats uh, win the White House and don't have the Senate. I mean, it doesn't Barack mean, Obama yeah. uh, was the president for at a time when he didn't have Senate control. Right. I mean, uh, so it, it's, it's not... Utterly meaningless. I'm not a nihilist about this stuff. Right. I mean, it's I not think completely that meaningless, it's like but executive orders that a Democratic uh, president right. could enact. Right. A Democratic president is a Supreme Court uh, vacancy mm -hmm. can nominate. Mitch McConnell, yeah, he could. They block won't get it. it through the Senate, though. Right. But and at we least saw it's with Merrick Garland. Yeah. You know, the reason we have. Well, this is the. Uh, I'm going to give a, uh, a shout out to David Ferris, who couldn't be here tonight, but uh, his theory is that um, Barack Obama blew the Merrick Garland. Really? Uh, yeah, because <laughs> that's he, a great. He, 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 wow. He, he nominated. Well, you know, I mean, I gotta give him credit. He, was, he, he came out and said it that Barack Obama. The this courage. gets to your point. Uh, was playing to the centrists in the Democratic right. Party. So what he said was, "I'll appeal to Republicans. Their their spirit of bipartisanship. I'll uh, nominate a moderate, and they will say, oh, he's a moderate.' Couldn't get excited right. about Merrick Garland's fate, and so as a result." Uh, he probably should have na nominated um, anybody. Any, well, no, Any preferably like a black woman, right. perhaps. You know, that but, might fire right. up uh, uh, the well, Democratic and, base at the right. at the thought that uh, she was not being fairly treated by. Mitch well, McConnell. you you both said a lot of different things. One, you don't necessarily. I mean, like, let's pick Massachusetts. I mean, like you and and like uh, several states. In, mm -hmm. And we had a Republican governor, right? Um, and we have, but we have Democratic senators. Uh, Senator, they're centrist, but I mean, we still have Democratic senators, so right. it's not necessarily a one-to-one. -one. But the other thing I want to bring up is um, the, where are we in terms of the uh, Bernie is 2,500 votes in New okay. Hampshire with 14% right. um, in. NBC is giving it a too early call. Yeah. He has uh, he's got 20% so, of the vote. Yeah. 
it says second is Buttigieg, 9,200. Third is Klobuchar, 9,200. And then very distant fourth is Elizabeth, 3,800. Is, uh, yeah, the clob. The, wow. cl the clob is coming. The clobbering. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it might be <laughs> Buttigieg. <laughs> Oh, Yang suspending? Oh, wow. 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 Okay. You know, well, another uh, one bites the years, dust. For years, Yang was, uh, for years, for months, Yang was, was number three on my list. So I guess I'm going to have to redo my list. Oh, you were sort of Yang? Yeah, I was sort of Yang. Now, well, right, so one hot, you were Yang, you were Yang curious? <laughs> you were Yang curious? So hot takes from both of y'all. Now that Andrew Yang has officially suspended his presidential campaign on the Democratic Party side, do you think he joins the Libertarian nomination, which is not sealed up yet? In which Vermin's, remember Vermin's Supreme? <laughs> Vermin's Supreme is currently leading in the Libertarian Party's presidential oh nomination God. process. Do you think Yang jumps in? No. What do you think? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think he uh, sees a future. If he has a future for himself, it's in the Democratic Party. He's got to figure out what that future is. Uh, he did pretty well to get this far. He yeah. did. When you think about it, uh, for what it's worth, he was number three. Anyway, I, we cut you off. I just wanted to see what the results were. Mm. So uh, Bernie's yeah, go got... Uh, 28% of the vote, is that what it says? Yeah, he's a full 5% up on Buttigieg. Right, so it looks like uh, Bernie uh, is going to win that one. Uh, right. But I cut you off. What was your point? No, no, no. I just was, there were a couple of things with, um, you know, Barack Obama nominating Merrick Garland. But something that, you know, s people have been bringing up lately is Barack Obama had a massive, you know, youth-led, um, intergenerational, multiracial movement that was, yeah, massive turnout that hasn't been replicated. But what happened was there was, they, they didn't sustain that movement. Mm -hmm. They didn't mobilize those folks. Like had those folks been mobilized, you know, had, okay, granted they may not have been excited about Merrick Garland, but had they still been mobilized, they may have been, been able to put some pressure right. and on the senators who, you know, or even on, um, yeah. on, on the senators to push Mitch McConnell to, to bring it to a vote. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, that's, I think, some of the folks who are looking at someone like a Bernie Sanders saying, hey, he's bringing a movement with him. Exactly. Now, granted, he may not have the Senate, but he might have folks who are willing to knock on doors, make phone calls, and push their reps, even if they're not, you know, mm -hmm. sort of on the, the progressive camp, right. to support these things. Because if they don't, there may be consequences, whether it's, you know, they're not going to, they're going to get primaried or, or not get the grassroots support that they need. So, I mean, that's, that I think is something where, when we kind of go back to some, he has been able to maintain his base and he's been helped by this. And increase it. Right. His, and, his and, approval ratings among, among Republicans are horrifyingly high. Right. And, but what happened post impeachment, they inundated the airwaves. Again, the disinformation. They pushed out a message. Mm -hmm. But again, what what was Trump able to do? He pulled up the Washington Post, New York Times, acquitted. Yeah. And, you know, it's true. Like, occasionally Donald Trump tells the truth. He was acquitted. <laughs> yes, he was acquitted. So, so, I mean, that that is a perfect, you know, for the people who, you know, just... Again, I don't know who these five moderate swing voters are in Ohio, but I know the Demo <laughs> Democratic Party is obsessed with them. Right. Um, but again, doesn't care about, um, and I'm going to kind of come back to what something that Steph said earlier is, look, I am someone who is Muslim. My parents are immigrants. Um, you know, they just expanded the Muslim ban. Uh, you know, as far as I know that we have, still have about 60,000, perhaps more mm -hmm. folks who are um, in, in ICE and CBP custody. I mean, like, this is a trivial election. 
You know, this isn't... Uh, it's a matter of life and death. Yeah, there, the stakes are incredibly high, in addition to people dying of not having health care. So um, I, I don't look at this vote in the general election lightly at all. Um, I'm not going to be moving to a purple state <laughs> before then, but I, but I also know that, you know, this is one of those, those elections that, you know, I am not confident because I feel like people don't have that. They're not exposed to that point of view. It's not coming through. If you have panels where you've got, you're talking about the black vote, you have nobody speaking mm -hmm. to the, you know, the concerns of that community, including, frankly, on this panel. But I mean, like that's yeah. that's the issue: is that we we know the Democratic Party is all an interfaith, multiracial, multigenerational base, but it's not being, it's not trickling up to the leadership. Yeah. And so, where's the money going? And, and where's the investment going? So, like, you can't keep fighting Bernie because all you're doing when you're doing that is you're fighting the Democratic Party base. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, um, and my NBC page froze. And I, oh, no. Uh, I'll find it again. But I think one of the other things is, you know, Simeon, I think you're right that, you know, maybe, maybe we don't take back the Senate, but we, we find this enough movement and enough turnout to push more centrist Republican senators towards making votes. But we also have to remember, you know, the second most important election of 2020 is what's going to happen in the Kentucky Senate uh, race right. to try and get Mitch McConnell out of there. Mitch McConnell has been winning a, a real air. Yeah. Uh, where he has, he's out in, in, you know, both, you know, in face and in reality, um, where he has outlasted a Democratic president and gotten his own agenda passed. He is coasting on a Trump presidency, and if he stays in the Senate and Republicans maintain control of the Senate, we know he'll wait it out again. Right. And it, we have, you know, and I hope that, uh, who's, who's the woman running against him this time? Amy McGrath. Yeah, we've talked about Amy McGrath. <laughs> Didn't say that with a lot of enthusiasm, <laughs> Samina. Well, but, I, you know, I, I hope she can beat him. I don't think she's perfect, but I hope she can She's not the only him. one running, but right. again, getting the most attention she's getting the most money yeah yeah in the midst of a primary so the, the 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 problem is though she was the one who said that she would have voted for kavanaugh she would have supported kavanaugh right so it's which, like these are the kinds of things that's like then well, why are you this, why are you a right. democrat this this is i mean this gets to the heart of, of so many decisions and strategies oh, that the democrats have employed going back uh to the 2006 uh, cycle where they took back the house and the attitude was always again move to the right so right. if you're going to run uh, a senatorial candidate in a state like you do is have someone who is a lot more in common with mitch mcconnell than with <laughs> and the notion is is that if you had somebody any any way resembling samina uh in ideology there's no way that person could win in kentucky so push somebody toward uh, Mitch right. McConnell. So you're right. That's why they, th they gave Doug Jones so much credit in Alabama uh, when he voted for uh, impeachment because right. he broke that mold. So he's in a state that was overwhelmingly went for Donald Trump. And he thinks he's going to lose. Right. And he probably will lose. Right. Yeah. I mean, when, and, I, and I think... But he would have lost anyway. Right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He won by a fluke uh, in 2018. Doug Jones and I think he has a better chance. I think he has a better chance of winning is he st if he stays true to whatever convictions Absolutely. got him there in the first because place. Because the, the voters that put him there will respect those convictions. And I think, you, uh, Ben, you said something really important, is that you know, in, in the 2006, and also we saw in the 2018 election, there was this push to the center in many swing right. districts. 
But we have to remember midterm elections are not presidential elections. They don't work the same way. Even the, you know, the, the ethos and the logic um, of a midterm election is not the same. Midterm elections consistently swing back towards the center. A general election, a presidential election is the time to get ideological. And you know, if you have to go to the center to preserve those gains, then sure, but go right back to them. You can't make the, the congressional election compromise the permanent compromise. All right, uh, could you give me the results again for Elizabeth Warren? Because I want to ask Samina a question. Elizabeth Warren is polling in a distant third percent. She's uh, almost distant a distant fourth percent. Sorry, she's yeah. uh, about 5,300 uh, behind Amy Klobuchar. She's at 9.6%. Uh, 9.6%, and Bernie is at how much? Uh, Bernie is at 282 13,000 votes. All right, Samina. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren's campaign. What do you think about uh, this nine point? This is her neighbor state. Yeah, she's running. I mean, this was like this was a kind of a like this is really burning territory, right? Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't see uh, this is the, the beginning of the end. I mean, I don't this this, this like if you you have a, a pretty much an, a, a, a like now an almost completely white field except for Deval Patrick who is running. I, I've heard. Um, and, and also sort of doesn't count. Isn't, yeah. Isn't Tulsi still in the race? Yeah, well. Uh, Tulsi, Tulsi, also Tulsi, does not count. Is, Tulsi is just not. Okay, let's, let's yeah. we'll refrain from Tulsi, another Tulsi. Yeah, Tulsi. No, we <laughs> we've had a few. Do you want to talk about Hindu fascism? Yeah. No, no. Do you, is that what you want to talk I, about? I want to talk about Hindu yeah. fascism. You want to? Yeah. I, I, I want to. All right. We could, we could delve there, but uh, go ahead. Go back to Elizabeth Warren. No, no. So, like, this, yeah, this, this, she had to have a strong showing here. At, and she's there's not. No other, there's no other way to, to say it. I mean, I think, you know, at every point in this cycle, because this election is basically a 10-year election cycle, there have been sort of people who are, who are surging and people who are, 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 like, flailing. But, like, she, and she had her moment. But back to what Steph said earlier, when it comes down to the progressive sort of voter base, they have a clear favorite. Mm -hmm. And it's Sanders. Yeah. And, and you know, and... And I think, uh, and you know, that's a fair point is that, you know, yes, Bernie Sanders is a man and Elizabeth Warren is a woman. And I do think that there may have been, you know, I mean, it's, it's, that's not the, that's clearly not the only thing, but there, you can't discount the fact that there may have been some sexism involved. But I also right. think that, you know, Elizabeth Warren has been playing a very strategic political game this whole time. And it's very clear. You know, she's been playing, whether she believes it or not, she's been playing the reasonable capitalism route. If you right. read some of her signature policies, like the, uh, the hilariously named Accountable Capitalism Act, if you read the details of that policy, it gives workers control of 40% of corporate boards. It literally seizes the means of production, which has been a, a, you know, a communist, socialist, and unionist demand basically since the beginning. It, it is quite a radical piece of legislation, but the name gets her panned by progressives. Right. And also... She, she outfoxed herself a little bit with her healthcare rollout, and I think that really marked the beginning of her decline. And Elizabeth Warren is, I, I would go as far as to say Elizabeth Warren is the smartest person currently running for president right now. You know, she, she knows exactly what is going on. She knows exactly what is going to happen in this race, the way that it looks right now. And I think that Warren sees that the writing is on the wall for her, and you know, for senators running for president, against other senators, right. there's career considerations that start to happen when you start not winning states. Yeah. Her and Amy Klobuchar are gonna have to start thinking about, do I wanna burn bridges? Right. Or do I wanna just say, I gave, it, I gave it my best shot, 
I'm going to drop out because I'm clearly not going to win. And I think that, that that calculus might be going on in Elizabeth Warren's what, head What do you right mean now. by burn bridges? I, I mean, if you, if you are a sitting senator and you stay in, uh, if you stay in a presidential race against other sitting senators, you're going to be forced to attack people. Mm-hmm. Just because of the way that elections work now, you're going to have to say some nasty stuff. And I think that Elizabeth Warren's Senate platform is so important and so valuable that she's going to start considering that platform and what she can do as a senator versus what she can with the remains of her presidential campaign. And I think what's going to be the most interesting part of the Warren campaign going forward is where Julian Castro ends up. Mm. I still think Julian Castro would be the smartest vice presidential pick for Bernie Sanders because Castro is essentially now a Warren surrogate. And it would give that Warren energy to his campaign and give that nod to say, like, look, Elizabeth Warren gave it her best shot. She ran a good campaign. Bernie's been saying that they're friends the whole time, that he really respects Warren, and I believe that he does. Um, And tapping Castro as vice president, I think, would be an incredibly smart and incredibly strategic move for the Sanders campaign. And also, Julian Castro is incredibly qualified and was an amazing candidate who got racismed out of a fair shot. When he was in charge of 10 times as many people as Pete Buttigieg was and held a post in, in Obama's cabinet and had many, he, he had 10 times the qualifications Pete Buttigieg did based on the population count of the cities that they were mayor of alone. And yet here's Pete whiting, uh, riding his, you know, whiting and riding his, um, his, uh, his <laughs> very, his, uh, his, his, you know, decidedly mediocre Harvard McKinsey coattails into second place in New Hampshire. When Julian Castro on paper was the better candidate and on paper was the more qualified candidate. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I wanted to add to that was this is the tricky thing for a sitting senator. Mm -hmm. If you lose in your state. It's really embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. And I think there were some folks who were talking about that for Kamala Harris who dropped out, you know, before I think I think her her nominating papers for the California. And that's when she announced her. She Mm -hmm. was was, uh, uh, stopping her campaign. But like that would have been really is talk of, of Steyer actually primarying her. So um, he, he certainly Damn. has the money. He certainly Jesus. has the money to do it. But like that's one of those things where like, okay, if you get to your state and you can't get into a, like a top two finish in your own state, yeah. what, is, how, what does that do to your political yeah. career? By the way, where is Steyer on this? Steyer is in <laughs> uh, sixth place with 3.5% of the votes, uh, an even, around an even 2,000 votes. He's just he, ahead of Tulsi Gabbard. He is just ahead of Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, he is behind Joe Biden. He's behind Joe Biden. He's behind Joe Biden. Joe Biden, Vice President yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah. That's Barack Obama's wow. best friend, Joe I Biden. Know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Joe, I have one black friend, and it is Barack Obama Biden. So right. J- Joe Biden... Um, I got to figure his case. See, this, this is my point to all centrists. I've made, I'm not a centrist, but if I were, I'd be for Michael Bloomberg because he's the billionaire and he could throw all that money in right. the race. If I were a centrist and the, the, the positions that Michael Bloomberg uh, advocates, Steph and, and Samina, are basically uh, the same ones that Joe Biden advocates. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any real differences. Um, I do, uh, Buddha, definitely Buddha did. Buddha said it's like studied these uh, and implemented them with limited basis in South Bend, uh, Amy Klobuchar. So I'd go with the billionaire. Yeah. So I, I, my guess is I'm looking at this. 
I'm wondering, will Pete Buttigieg turn against Michael Bloomberg? Because conventional thinking follows. Can he turn against Michael Bloomberg? Well, no, because he's probably going to be a client of Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Conventional wisdom is that he has to go after the centrists in the race. Going after Bernie really isn't going to do anything. Right. It's not going to well, win him any new votes. They've been doing it. Yeah. So it's not going to win him any new votes. The votes he has to get so the votes that would go to Michael Bloomberg. Right. Uh, Biden, that was, that's just such horrendous uh, results, even worse than Iowa. So when he's riding on and we've known the whole time he's been riding on South Carolina, his entire campaign is riding on his ability to turn out older, more moderate black voters in South Carolina and resurrect himself with this credibility that he has in, in essentially what is genuine, moderate uh, political yeah. values among older black voters and in some degree, no, uh, Obama's nostalgia in South Carolina. But I will note I there has not been a South Carolina poll a quality South Carolina poll that's been reported since Iowa. Biden was significantly up in South Carolina in the last poll that was released. We don't really have any numbers on Bloomberg in South Carolina. He's not even on the ballot. He's, he's not on the ballot, yeah. but we, you know, he, they still might poll him. And I'm, I can't imagine he would do well with black voters considering how racist yeah. he is. But we don't know how Biden is going to do in South Carolina. And if he does not win by a commanding margin, he's done. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on Julian Castro being the vice president? It's an interesting idea. I, I definitely think that he is positioning himself as a really solid uh, vice presidential choice. Um, I have a, just a kind of a warm place in my heart for Stacey Abrams. I would mm. love to see someone pick Stacey Abrams because I think I would love Stacey Abrams. Yes, incredible. And I think she I think she is making it pretty clear that she's I think she's gotten a call from probably every front runner. Um, well, so, she had to say no to Joe Biden before the before the debates even started, didn't right, she? Right. Well, so that was there was some kerfuffle there about like she's like you don't run because at the time there were people thinking she was going to jump in, right? And so she said and she made know, it clear that she wasn't going to do. Yeah, that. but she said, and she made something very clear. She said you don't run to be second. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think there's enough. Um, and I'm, I, I have some friends in Georgia. This, I'm hearing little rumors. I'm hearing murmurs. So I, I would love to say, I think Wait, Julian, what murmurs are you hearing? I'm just, I, I can't, I can't name my sources. That's all I'm going to say. Right, don't I'm name your sources. Just hear that. Just, just mention the rumors. I'm just, I'm just hearing that we're going to hear something from Stacey Abrams soon-ish. I, I would all, love, I would love Abrams' vice president. That? That, that is a terrible rumor. That's the it worst is. rumor I've ever heard. <laughs> That's not even like a rumor. <laughs> Uh, we're you know, going to hear some about Stacey Abrams. Well, Why? I gave you a name. I gave you a name. What, what are you, like, oh, someone in the South is going to say something in the next week. Um, no, I don't. I, I'm literally, it's very, very preliminary. But I'm just, I'm hearing some stuff. And she is the person I think of. When I think of who would, love it, let's, let's review. She, let's, Stacey Abrams should be the governor of Georgia. Yes. Yes, she She won should. that state. She showed us a red state could be a blue state. Mm -hmm. Okay, going back to your yeah. uh, Senate and governor piece. So, so, yeah, so absolutely. That, and, sh you know, I had people in Chicago, you know, about a month before her election, making calls. I had 10 people at, you know, some, a friend uh, lent us her Montessori school. We were making calls for Stacey Abrams. Yeah. I'm telling you, people would lose their minds if she was running, um, was on a ticket. I think that would Stacey Abrams would be amazing. Of, she would yeah. excite a lot of folks. And let's go back to who is the base of the Democratic Party? 
who is, you know, who are the, the highest propensity mm -hmm. voters? Was it 94, 96% of black women voted for Hillary yeah. Clinton? So we, we have. It, 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 I thought it was like 94, 96. It, it was, well, it was, it was exit polls. You know me on the exit yeah. polls. I don't trust any of them. 99%. Yeah, I mean, but but let's be clear. Like, that would, we have essentially the front runners right now, uh, you know, again, <laughs> apologies to Deval Patrick, are, and I not even talk about, Tulsi Gabbard's like not even in the equation anymore. <laughs> They're white. They're white. We yeah. need to have, I think we need to, like, I think that's where there was a mistake in 2016. Someone like a Tim Kaine oh, just didn't excite people yeah. in, that, in that same way. Yeah. yeah, no, that, again, that gets back to the Merrick Gar Garland thing. What a yeah. bad choice by uh, mm. Barack Obama. And, uh, and also, like, what a, what a terrible, and, and I think Tim Kaine is a great example of a terrible choice because it's not like Virginia wasn't already a blue state. They didn't need, you know, Virginia had a Democratic governor. Virginia had um, at least one Democratic senator in Tim Kaine. They didn't need Tim Kaine. And, and Tim Kaine also was quite conservative. It was a moderate, moderate ticket. Right, right. And, and something that we need to go back to, which is something that, again, not enough people are paying attention to, in some of these states, like Virginia, where you've had a, a flip of the, the state legislature, you've had organizers uh, organizing entities that are primarily led by women of color mm -hmm. that have been building and growing between cycles. They're not just parachuting in if the election's in November, not parachuting in mm -hmm. in September or October. They've been building for years. Yep. And so that's how you get something like Virginia. That's how you get Absolutely. Andrew Gillum getting as close as he did. And that's and that's how you get Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams was literally one of those women. She co-founded the New Georgia Project, and now she's got Fair Fight Action. So she's doing the difficult work to get people to be educated, be engaged. And the, you know, everyone talks about turnout, but nobody, like, looks at how does that sausage get made and what does Who it Who is take. the turnout? Yeah. Yeah. The people who are turning out, I mean, I, uh, like, you Turn know, th there's, there's people who, when Obama was on the ballot in 2008, there were, you know, there were folks who were literally driving people to the polls. That's what you need. And those people are, you know, they're pooling their money together at churches and, and places of worship. And the, but who's funding them? Right. Nobody. They're doing this on their own because they were excited about a candidate. And that's the kind of deep, deep organizing that the Democratic Party, frankly, hasn't invested in. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons going a, a deep cut here is why the DNC chair raise back um, right after the 2016 election was such a ideological big deal because Keith Ellison's wow. like, I can't yeah. even remember, he was literally walking around, running around the country saying, I want to have an operation every single county. He wasn't like, it's not enough to have a 50 state strategy. <laughs> he, had the, he had the number of counties memorized and he was saying, that's what we need. We need to rebuild the party from the ground up. And now we've got Tom Perez and the Iowa Democratic Party who can't even count votes. Oh, ouch. And, and Keith Ellison, another great example. And, you know, Keith Ellison has a ton of problems and he's not necessarily, like, you know, the best human being. But no. he is another example of a but black... It was the Demo ideology. It was the right. ideology. He, and he's another example of a black Democrat who got racismed out of out of, uh, you know, a fair shot in his race. Right. I remember there was a huge deal, at least in, in yes. some of my communities, um, a, a, a number of... Uh, 
a number of folks were making a huge deal about Keith Ellison and his position on Palestine. Right. And, you know, I, I, I have to say, you know, as a leftist Jewish voter, Palestine is a huge issue for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a sticker on my laptop that says apartheid isn't kosher. I am explicitly pro-Palestine. I'm explicitly anti-Zionist. Um, and Keith Ellison <laughs> lost his... I'm like, his, I can see the sticker. Keith <laughs> Ellison lost his shot right. at being DNC chair because he stood by Palestine. And also for, you know, for a number of other reasons, because he was a black man who had, uh, you know, associations with a certain other black man. But there were, there were, you know, people who didn't want somebody who was that far left on on Palestine in, in control of the DNC. And yet, what do we see now? We see people across our state and across states and in states across the country challenging decades-old incumbents with positions far to the left on Palestine. Right. Uh, I got a, uh, a note here from Tracy. Are we taking questions? Yes, if anybody wants to ask a question. I don't know if there's microphones out there, what have you. Uh, we're ha happy to do take the questions. Again? What's that? Yes, yeah. you can come up and say it too. Why don't we just remind people Either where one. we are and who uh, we are. Yeah, so anyway, uh, I'm Ben Jarofsky, Samina Mustafa, Steph Skora from Girls I Guess. Uh, hand one her girl. the mic. Girl, I guess. Girl, I get my bad. I can't read my writing. <laughs> we're, we're, a, uh, we're a one woman and, show uh, now, unfortunately. Uh, okay. And uh, we're at G Man at 3740 North Clark. We're talking about uh, the Democrat, the state of the Democratic Party mm -hmm. on the night of the New Hampshire primary. Steph's been so gracious as to be our uh, correspondent, <laughs> yes. giving us updates. Looks like Bernie's going to win that state. Yeah, he's uh, he, the vote is in? he's got uh we've got 23% in Bernie has been keeping a solid like five ish percent lead. Yeah, Bernie's got about a five percent lead. 27 uh, to uh, Mayor Pete of South yeah. Bend. And the club. Uh, the club. The club. It's clobbering time right now. <laughs> I know. The club is surging. As as an analyst on CNN said, a third place finish by Amy would be more significant than a first place finish by Sanders, which is. Well, not true. Just, not true. Yeah. Just another ridiculous, uh, clear uh, sort of bias. Go but ahead. we've got a question. Yes. Well, there's one candidate. Oh, that's not a mic. Was called a Russian asset, and one of your panel called her a Hindu fascist. We are going to get to talk about Tulsi Gabbard. We can have a friendly discussion and not make these kind of vindictive smears against some of the other candidates. All right. Uh, I will repeat the question uh, so people can hear it. Well, it really wasn't a question. It was a plea. Uh, he was talking about Tulsi Gabbard. And uh, Samina Mustafa and I have had a, a conversation about Tulsi three or four times on the, on the show. So uh, uh, the, the, the gentleman said that uh, you smear Tulsi Gabbard by calling her a Hindu fascist. And uh, that she's also been smeared. I don't know, uh, but you didn't say who called her that, but uh, a Russian agent. I think Hillary might have suggested it. Might have been Hillary Clinton. Right. There's a hilarious, frivolous lawsuit going on right now to that effect. Uh, and uh, so we're Tulsi right now is just behind Joe Biden. Just behind Tom Steyer. And just behind. Oh, you're right. No, I'm sorry. She's just behind Tom Steyer. So why don't you uh, give your uh, the gentleman raised the, the issue? Yeah. Take it away. So. What's happening in India, you know, world's largest democracy for now, um, it's barely a democracy right now. If you're not, if you are Muslim, if you are a lower caste um, Hindu, if you are any kind of religious minority in India, you, you're, you're being actively persecuted. Mm -hmm. And it's well known, well documented that Tulsi Gabbard has aligned herself with groups associated with Nar uh, Narendra Modi 
And I could go into a whole thing about Indian politics, but I'll, 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 it's well documented. She had stood with them. She was going to attend something that happened actually here in Lombard. It's called the World Hindu Congress, where protesters showed up and they were assaulted. They were beaten and called dirty Muslims. So and she didn't go to that, but she, if you look at all of the things, all of the organizations and the, the funding that she's getting, it's very similar. It's, it's from all those groups. Raja Krishnamurthy in the 8th Congressional District also gets money from those groups, and he attended that event mm. in Lombard, Illinois. So let me be clear. There's a, uh, enough uh, evidence that Tulsi has stood with those folks and gotten money from those folks. Now, I have, as far as, like, the Russian stuff, I don't, I, that's, that was Hillary Clinton, there's other folks. I think that that has to be looked at. When you are running for president, you are going to be, uh, the head of foreign policy, you're going to be the commander in chief. Someone who is standing with someone who is actively, is built, Narendra Modi is building detention camps in India. There are people who are protesting throughout India. There was a protest that was 250 million people. That's almost the entire population of the U.S. And nobody in the U.S. knows about it. It is, people are afraid of genocide happening. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is very serious, and, and, and not enough people are covering it, and not enough people know about it. So that's, that is why I have my issues with Tulsi Gabbard. Yes, she's had a couple of good bits of legislation. Yes, she pictures herself as a pro or anti-war candidate, but not when it comes to Muslims. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm gonna say. And, about and I have to say this, uh, this is an issue that uh, the overwhelming people in this country aren't following. Yeah. No. And I gotta tell you, Samina, only three people have raised this issue to me. Uh, been doing this uh, show for over f for about four years and uh, a lot of people of the leftist persuasion like Tulsi I know. and only three people it's very disturbing and it is you know who the three are you Ramana and Amisha Patel and just think about the, that yeah you know and I remember Two Muslims Amisha, and a Hindu. Three, yeah. the three Indian women three Indian women and I remember Amisha Patel was the first person that raised the issue uh, we were we were doing a, the the old radio show, and a caller called in uh, as Amisha was entering the studio, and she wasn't the guest at the time. But this this caller was uh, extolling the virtues of Tulsi Gabbard, hmm. and and then the and Amisha just right there and goes, "I got a lot of problems." She just started in. I've had a lot of problems with uh, Tulsi Gabbard, and this is the first time I had heard about this. Mm -hmm. You gotta understand what I'm saying? Right. And then when we were talking about with Ramana, Ramana Hussein, she went into, she went, to, she did it live uh, on the air. And so I think this is a case where it's like a world that does not exist to most American voters. People don't even know what's going on in Canada. Yeah. Right. <laughs> India. So like, but, so I, I, I understand that. Or people don't know what's going on in Chicago. That, that's <laughs> true. But, but I'm, what I'm saying is, so it is overwhelming. There's a lot of information, but there's a couple of good resources. There was an excellent article written by Dexter Filkins in The New Yorker, mm -hmm. um, where he tracked a uh, journalist who, uh, Rana Ayub, who's been covering this for, for really, for, for like since she was a little kid. Um, and also, um, there was a, a lot of stories have been written in The Intercept, where they're mm -hmm. tracking where uh, the money is coming from. And they did stories about all of these episodes that happened in, yeah. in the US. Um, Modi rally in Texas, yeah. in Houston, Texas, 50,000 Indian Americans attended that. Donald Trump stood on stage with Modi. They held hands. And right before they held hands, 
there was a congressional delegation there to greet Modi. Who was on that stage? Steny Hoyer, Danny K. Davis, Raja Krishnamurthy, and other Congress, uh, congressional representatives. Like, and nobody knows about it. Uh, it with a guy who's a fascist, and Trump. So if, Donald and, Trump, don't forget yes. him. Yeah. Don't so, forget Donald Trump. <laughs> so, and, and, and if I may, I'm going to back up Samina here. Um, I, so I'll be uh, the, the first non-Indian woman uh, to, to weigh in on Tulsi Gabbard on, on, uh, with the platform. Um, I have nothing nice to say about Tulsi Gabbard. Nothing at all. Um, I don't talk about her in the Girl, I Guess, Voter Guide for that reason exactly. I have you know, absolutely nothing positive that I can say about Tulsi Gabbard. Um, I, have no, I have a number of friends who are ardent defenders of Tulsi Gabbard, every time they post about her, I take them to task and I tell them they should be ashamed of themselves. I do not believe that Tulsi Gabbard is not a homophobe. I don't care what her ratings from the HRC are. These are some of the same people that pan the HRC for its negligence, against, uh, for its negligence regarding trans people and then bring up their, their ratings to defend Tulsi Gabbard. I think that that's incredibly hypocritical. I don't think the HRC's ratings mean a damn. I will say, Tulsi Gabbard absolutely is, uh, is, is a fascist. She's a, uh, if she's not a fascist, she's a fascist sympathizer. She's cozied up to Modi in ways that are completely unacceptable. And on top of all of that, she has run the kind, and she, she's, uh, she, steal, she stole Carly Fiorina's aesthetic, uh, to say something else. She, she wore that, um, do you remember in the 2016 uh, cycle when Carly Fiorina wore that like a vampire hunter suit? No. During one of the debates, <laughs> that like bright red vampire hunter okay, suit, no. and Tulsi came out with the with the white suit. And anyway, I, so I will say, the people that I have seen support, supporting Tulsi Gabbard overwhelmingly are people whose politics I do not trust when it comes to the mat. And one cannot in in the United States of America, where the vast majority of the wars that this country has has taken up in the past 30, 40 years have been against Muslims and about Islamophobia and anti-Arab racism, you cannot take an anti-war can a candidate who claims to be anti-war seriously if she has a problem with Muslims. Right. You cannot be anti-war in the United States of America if you have an anti-Muslim record. I think Tulsi Gabbard is a liar. I think Tulsi Gabbard is a fraud. I think Tulsi Gabbard is a fascist, and I do not believe that she's anti-war, and I do not believe she would lift a finger to save a Muslim life in this country. No, she won't. All right, I don't know if she's a fascist, but that's... Uh, we have an Okay, we have a mic question. now, so yeah. we, we, can, we can take some more questions. Hi. Hey, hi. <clears throat> I just wondered what all three of you think of why Warren is falling so much. She's so well, and even though I love Bernie, I was kind of shocked about her. You know, I, I don't know mm -hmm. why um, she's falling. What is your Is that a Warren button? I just can't see that. No, it's a Bernie. Oh, Bernie, okay. Oh, neither's gone Bernie, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, we talked about it earlier. I mean, I think she, she got hit harder for the same issues that she was pushing, specifically yeah. Medicare for All. I think she got hit harder on Medicare for All than Bernie did. That was really what did it for her. Right. And, and then, more recently, she's just not getting covered. They're, yeah. they're, they're completely icing her out. So that really, mm -hmm. and it, we're getting inundated with, with information, I, th I think that's ultimately uh, why it's happening. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think... You know, it was, it was the lack of coverage that she's been getting recently. It was really the death knell for Elizabeth Warren's campaign. I think, you know, she had a huge moment. She overtook Biden in the national polling aggregate uh, on Real Clear Politics' polling aggregate. She was in first place far and away. She was being taken seriously as the, as the front runner. And then she started getting a lot of scrutiny. There were a lot of attacks from her left and from her right. right. Um, and I think, you know, the, the really smart political game that Elizabeth Warren was playing
to try and win that nomination, to try to attract, you know, the wary centrist voters, but also show some progressive bona fides. I think the game sort of just fell out from under her, and it wasn't sustainable anymore. And there's a number of reasons for that. I do think sexism played a role. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, her, her support evaporated, and a lot of the people who were considering her or Bernie chose Bernie, well, and that was, that, was the, that was all she wrote. Yeah, right. and uh, ironically, the anti-Bernie counterpunch probably hurt Elizabeth Warren, except made Bernie look even more of the progressive candidate. The fact everybody was ganging up to knock Bernie out. Absolutely. And let's not face, uh, also, the, she- uh, well, Quick her, breaking news, Michael Bennett just dropped out. Okay. Hey! Our buddy, our buddy <laughs> Michael Bennett. I wasn't, I wasn't talking about you, Michael! <laughs> Michael Bennett's- um, He's behind Andrew Yang. Aww. Michael Bennett, uh, speaking and, uh, the truth. And also, Michael no Bennett, one to hear. 23 voters are gonna be really upset. <laughs> Just you ahead know, of Julian just, Castro. Yeah. Uh, and also, let's not forget uh, her the decision that she made, which it did not do well to uh, uh, present Bernie. Uh, that, that conversation about Bernie that allegedly happened where Bernie said right. that he didn't think a woman could win. And I think that uh, actually hurt her. Uh, and the, remember the debate where they, they had the yeah, encounter. No, she wouldn't shake I, his hand and all that. But again, I think that um, that actually... But I think at that point, it was already... It, these debates, as you and I have talked about, are really like cage matches. Yes. They're not about like any real ideas. They're, it's sort of corporate-funded moderators saying, how are you going to pay for yeah. it? And then saying, and, not, and completely ignoring defense budgets. Um, and then trying to create pick fights amongst the candidates. So. And, and I, I think that was really like, that was a no-win scenario for right. Warren, where there, there was this anti-Bernie media push about, oh, Bernie's a sexist, Bernie's a sexist, Bernie's a sexist, and Warren didn't really want to play the game, right. and she got caught in the middle of this media narrative, and it tore her, it tore her campaign apart. Right. You got a question? I do, yeah. Um, so I, I'd like you guys to talk about money a little bit, um, which we, yes. I don't think we've touched on a lot, both in terms of you know, campaign finance and support, but also in terms of the country and jobs and things like that. Um, in my opinion, I mean, if you look at a lot of the counties that went from Obama to Trump, yes. you know, these are low, you know, no jobs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I would love for each of you uh, to tell us how you think the Democratic nominee, whoever it is, can, beat Trump on this issue because, I mean, you know, most of us know the economy is not as good as they're touting. Right. The economy is not as good. I just didn't hear the end of that. Most yeah. of us know that, you know, the economy is not as good as, as the, uh, the spin right now. So how, you know, but a lot of people think, oh, the economy is great. Yeah. So what I'd like each of you to uh, address is how will the Democratic nominee beat Trump on this yes. issue that I think is very crucial. Well, I gotta say this before, I'm gonna, uh, before I t uh, turn it over, uh, get Samina and Steph's thought, it's funny, Tom Steyer, this was his big point. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember from the last debate where Tom Steyer said the most important issue is we need we're going to need a candidate who could stand up to Donald Trump right. on the economy. And this is really we got really passionate about mm -hmm. this. The to have a, a Democratic candidate who would have some credibility in his view uh, to stand up to Trump and say no, the economy really isn't as good as you say it is. And what what did Steyer get? Did you say Steph? Uh, Steyer is polling at three point five percent. So obviously that particular uh, view of things didn't catch on. Uh, but uh, we'll start with you, Samino. How do you think uh, the Democrats going to address the economy? That that is really the sixty-four thousand dollar question. Yeah. I mean, you, you're. <laughs> that's where candidates like like Buttigieg actually like would be scary because it's like all Trump has to say, oh, this guy is like a you know an analyst for three years. I'm a successful, but like he can still make the case that he right. knows better that he alone can fix. So I mean, that's that's. But then, like, that's why I think there's probably people feeling nervous. Oh, look, we've got another, uh, um, we've got 33% in. It looks like it's um, Sanders, uh, Pete, and Amy. But It's clobbering I, time. Yeah, exactly. I, that is a real issue. And, and I know that, like, for a lot of folks, the economy is not great. But let's, let's kind of take a step back. Affluent people voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. It's not just poor folks yeah. who voted for Trump. It's affluent people who voted for Trump. And there's affluent, really, really rich people who are supporting him again and have already given him money. So yeah. um, there was something that I think it just came out. Um, I can't remember where I saw it, but it was basically, I think it might have been actually been on BET, <laughs> where they, they listed all the companies where senior executives are giving money to the Trump campaign. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it is very hard in our sort of prosperity gospel culture to not like associate wealth with success and goodness. Absolutely. It's really hard. And so when you have someone like Bernie who's saying, no, things are hard. And I, I feel like Warren and Sanders have been trying to make that case. Like, no, it's actually not true. It is, it is so hard. They have to fight against all these numbers, even like the jobs numbers that yeah. came out. There were like 200,000 jobs, but like the problems with these, these numbers, they don't say like what kinds of jobs are there. Absolutely. What are, what are the, what are the actual wages? And so a, but I feel like anyone who's making that case, if you have to go and explain it, you've, you've already, already lost. You've already lost. Yeah. See, this is where I think that this is where I think where Bernie is the strongest candidate. Right. And and I'll tell you why. In 2016, the economy was already turning. It was already improving. And Hillary Clinton, that was supposed to be her strength. And what Donald Trump did was to say, just go counter. He just went counter to all the numbers that were coming out and all the talking heads who were saying the economy is doing well. And he was painting this picture of America as this dystopian society mm -hmm. where it, it, things were going bad. That was the case he made in the face of, he didn't care that everybody uh, was making the opposite point. And Bernie's strength is that he has been articulating this notion that there's something fundamentally wrong with the way our country is set up. Mm -hmm. That no matter how good the economy is going, relatively speaking, a great majority of people are losing, yeah. are right. getting clobbered. And he's yeah. been saying this now, uh, as far as the public is concerned, for four solid years. He's making a point that there's something fundamentally wrong with the, our economy, no matter what the numbers show. Right. And I think that's a powerful message that people can pick on, particularly when they can't afford health care. Yeah. yeah, and I think this, his campaign has been doing something interesting, which has actually been featuring stories from people who are, you know, telling, they're saying, you know, this is, 
my situation. I, I don't yeah. have health care. I'm, you know, I'm, I have an hourly job or I have several hourly jobs. Um, and if I think if he can amplify those stories, the, the tricky thing, Sanders himself has a powerful story to tell yeah. about this, but he tells it in a very Bernie way. Like <laughs> telling people he grew up in a rent controlled apartment is not You're like right. he needs to like unpack it and be very simple. Like I grew up poor yeah. or I grew up working class, like make it simple. Yeah. Like he just, Bernie has like a couple of sentences. It's funny cause we're, you know. The uh, same couple of sentences he's been saying since 2015. Exactly. but. You know, like change it up. Use a use a synonym. I mean, get a thesaurus. <laughs> I mean, like just to make it simpler. So people, because that's that's the one thing that I'll say. Okay, Trump is not uh, brilliant, but he repeats things, and he repeats very simple things. And you, it's like an earworm. You can never forget mm -hmm. what he says. And so, Bernie has to kind of like be less less wonky and more, you know, what's the term, Zadie? He needs to be more yeah. like the, the Zadie and yeah. not, not the senator. We have a question. So I have a question. So Pete Buttigieg, uh. Mayor Pete, has a <laughs> phrase of future former Republicans. Mm -hmm. I think this is a real phrase that we need to look at. Um, as someone who grew up in Tennessee, mm. who is talking to a lot of family members and friends who are Republican but are ashamed of Trump and do want a reason to have Trump out of office, what does Buttigieg have to do to really galvanize the Republican person who does not want to align, wants a reason not to align? There is no way they are going to bridge the chasm to a Warren or a Sanders. How do they become a future former Republican into a new idea of America that they can get on board with? And Pete Buttigieg is the only person kind of identifying this group of people that, that may want to do this. So whether we're for him or against him, <laughs> how do we, I agree, I understand, but how do we move to a third? How do we move to something that is new? And who is galvanizing us to do that right now, currently with at so, least even a phrase? We have to dumb this down for most of America. Mm -hmm. oh. Well, that, by the way, that future former Republican one is already, for my dyslexic brain, I'm like like trying to figure it out, parse that one. But anyway, well, yeah, I figured it I'm out like, finally. I'm like, that would be Elizabeth Warren. You well, know, like, that's right. well, literally her. It, 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 it. No, but she used to be a Republican. Right? And, 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 and so Actually, it, unfortunately, it's also Bloomberg. But right, well, and, and so what I'll say is, at the moment. I, I don't yeah. think, I, I think this, this, these comments exactly are, are that point. Is I don't think Pete Buttigieg is the only candidate that can make that choice. I think right. Pete Buttigieg is, you know, an incredibly safe candidate to make that point because he's just progressive enough to make you feel good about yourself because he's a gay man. Um, and, but not, not that being a gay man is inherently progressive, but voting for a gay man might be something that, that feels progressive. But he also has such staunchly centrist positions that he's not any different from, you know, I want to say the Republicans of yore, but even just the Republicans of 2012. Um, my, you know, my issue, my, my biggest issue, aside from all the reasons that I don't like Pete Buttigieg, and I have a, a note on my phone several pages long about all the reasons I don't like Pete Buttigieg, um, I think that he's the manifestation of Henry Kissinger's one gay thought, really, um, is, uh, and, you know, I think Pete Buttigieg doesn't have any credibility on any issue because he's the only candidate not offering his staffers health care right now. 
If you look at the, if you look at what Democratic voters, and I, I, it blows me away that he's doing so well, because if you look at the issues that Democratic voters care the most about, healthcare is always at the top of that list. And, and and Republican, if you look at voters in general, what do they care most about and what has the conversation been since 2008? It's been about health care. And Pete Buttigieg can't even offer his own staff health care on his campaign. I don't know if Pete Buttigieg, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not really buying into the premise of the question because I don't think Pete Buttigieg is that one choice. I think maybe he's that one choice for the folks that you're talking to. No, I think she was just using what Pete Buttigieg says. Right, that he's as, uh, Yeah, so you are it's endorsing nice Pete Buttigieg. Uh, and but I don't think it's, it's a, a valid premise because I don't think Pete Buttigieg is, is the only option. I don't even think he's the best option for a person who doesn't want to vote Republican. I think that is Bloomberg. Uh, well, yeah, is, uh, but also let's, um, this, is a, this is a tricky okay. conversation. Huh? I just get nervous. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, mm, okay, Dad. That's <laughs> uh, a dad thing. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to your question of like who's targeting sort of that population, I find this always to be a tricky question in the Democratic, a Democratic primary because for a couple of reasons. One, it just reminds me that the Democratic Party always wants yeah. to shirk its own voters and not make its own voters its focus and, and mobilizing those folks and putting this mythical uh, swing voter in the yeah. center of all their messaging and, and uh, who they uh, select as their candidate. Um, so th that's, that's an issue. But going back a few months, when all the candidates were doing town halls on Fox News, I remember a Bernie Sanders town hall where he asked people, where the host actually said, yeah. who would want Medicare for all? And I think the entire audience yeah, raised yeah, their they hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think he, the, 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 the Fox uh, panelists thought they were good. that was a gotcha question, but it actually worked for Bernie. So I think there are more candidates that actually have demonstrated that they have policies, they have a message that can appeal to those folks. They're not maybe making them the center of their campaign or, or don't have a, a tight phrase. But, but and again, this, this, I find this fundamentally problematic because it's like, okay, let's make sure we are mobilizing our base and that they're not, their votes aren't being suppressed. So, But I hear what you're saying, Amy, because I struggle this, with this all the time. Future uh, former Republicans who are turned off by Donald Trump and what uh, like the central point of that is that it's the behavior of Donald Trump that is turning off uh, these voters that it's his tweets it's his nastiness uh, it's his bully like tactics and that uh, is just too difficult for them uh, to um, support anymore so they're looking for somebody that they could vote that's close enough to them ideologically that they can have a justification uh, for not voting for Donald Trump and I struggle with this because to me it the policies of Donald Trump and the Republican Party are themselves abhorrent. so vile yeah. and abhorrent so like if you just take something like climate control and the notion that the Republican Party does not have anything resembling a policy to address this issue would be enough, I would think, for a person who believes that our dangers uh, are, are man-made, you know? And so what is it about Bernie Sanders mm -hmm. that would turn, if you think we have an existential crisis because we're polluting Earth so much that this, 
Lake Michigan is now coming over the shores where it used to be and eroding the lakefront, or Miami's about to be underwater, if you think that's a serious existential crisis, what is it about Bernie Sanders that would scare you into voting for Donald Trump who would just continue that or make it worse? You follow what I'm saying? So I have a... I wonder if Bernie Sanders, I used to say Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, clearly Elizabeth Warren's campaign is probably through after tonight. If Bernie Sanders is a nominee, how can those voters justify voting for Donald Trump? That's how I look at it. In other words, if they like what Pete Buttigieg says about the environment or what Amy Klobuchar says about the environment, they have much more in common with Bernie Sanders than they do with Donald Trump. So how could they justify They're, they're, wait, they're, which, they're, they're fundamentally dishonest, I think, ideologically. Wait, time out. Wait. They, they're not going to do what? They're not going to vote for... Yeah, so I have a, I have a, a cop. This is, no, this that's is the, the mic. mic. This is the mic. That's, just that's the, a camera. <laughs> I, I have a, a... My landlord is a, a retired cop, okay? <laughs> and in 2016, we were walking up and down the stairs, and he was like, Trump. And I'm like, Bernie. Trump. Bernie. So he went to vote <laughs> in the primary, yeah. and he voted for Bernie. But when Bernie got robbed... He then voted for Trump in, you know, in the general. And he told me just the other day, uh, I'm voting for, you know, of course, I'm voting for Bernie, you know, and hoping he's winning. So they're not. I mean, really, the majority of uh, Trump supporters are, go, are in that, you know, still deciding mix. And they're waiting to see what happens over here. Mm-hmm. If it's Bernie, you will see a lot of ex-Trumpers come over to Bernie. Yeah. There's no question about yeah. it. No question. There's, there's a lot I, of I know, I know. I've talked to hundreds of them myself. Hundreds of the union guys down on the south side voted for Bernie and then voted for Trump mm-hmm. because he was against the TPP, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get the TPP, okay? Yeah. Can I say one other thing? And that is, in, um, in Illinois, it's really important. In Chicago and suburban Cook County, okay? You know, uh, Ben, I'm an election integrity, Right. So Chicago and suburban Cook County are getting these new voting machines all over Chicago and suburban Cook County. Chicago's trying to roll them out in a matter of months, months, these new machines, train everybody on them. The um, machines that are being used are, um, they're what's called ballot marking devices. And you go in and you make your choices, then it prints up a paper ballot and it has your choices printed on the ballot. But then it has a QR code that you cannot read. It's a proprietary QR code, and that's what the votes are counted in, is that QR code. Hmm. We are not recommending early voting this time at all. No early voting, okay? We are Clean Count Cook County. We are serious business. We are recommending no early voting. Sorry. They're rolling out the machines too fast, and it's got a QR code that you cannot read. You cannot verify. So we are recommending that you go on election day and vote on a real paper ballot, Mm. okay? And second choice is a mail-in ballot, but those are not audited in Illinois. So first choice is election day on a real paper ballot. Trust us, we go into the audits every election and we know what we're talking about. And we are really serious about this. There's gonna be some real serious glitches in early voting. Hmm. (coughs) Iowa like glitches. Uh, (laughs) No apps involved. Yeah. No apps involved. 
No, no shadow? No, no shadow. I just want to say that we're living in a bubble if we think people in Tennessee will vote for Sanders. It is an absolute bubble, and, and, and it doesn't matter what I think. I, I have countless family members in Tennessee who it is too scary to leap from the fear of the Trumpism that I was asking about earlier earlier to move to Sanders. It, to them, it is the same side of the same coin, and they want nothing of it. So if we don't find a third, if we don't find something that in the Hindu culture they would call the third, like finding what is not left, not right. I don't know if it's centrist. I, I obviously don't have the answers, but I have been on a lot of plane rides. I have been in a lot of family meetings. I have been in my hometown community, you know, where we don't have a better, we don't have a better, uh, I come from a very small, rural, but very industrial city in the South. And in this city, you know, it's not people who are feeling the effects of our stock portfolio feeling what's happening in the Trump time right now. Everybody's not going up. They feel that their industries and their manufacturing is not doing as well. 25% tariffs to China has absolutely thrown a bomb on what they're doing. Um, and these are people who have integrity. These are people who want to feel like their day's work means something at the end of the day. These are people who don't actually agree with the morals because these are people who, you know, for better or for worse, are good Christian people who obviously are at a crossroads in the same way we saw Mitt Romney, um, you know, be the only person with the courage to stand up and the faith and the fortitude to stand up and say, enough is enough. Like, right, I ask, actually can't reconcile this. Let me ask you a question. Uh, and don't be intimidated by people who boo. Don't be intimidated no. by people who disagree I'm not with you. Period. Good, I know I'm that. I'm trying to voice for right. people that's not so, me, let me but ask that you I a am question. talking to. You the, know? You're, I, you're, you're, you're basing this on your experience having conversations with people and hearing the reactions. Yeah. Do you think the folks that you're talking about would, in an election uh, with Donald Trump, vote for Pete Buttigieg? I think they would. And actually, I've been on plane rides. And I mean, this is like six, eight, nine months ago when we had 12 candidates. And I would be on the plane and I would ask people, flying to Memphis, flying to Chattanooga, Tennessee, flying to Charlotte, North Carolina, who would you vote for? Because these are the places that I, I travel to. These are the places where I, I go because my, my people are there. And every one of them, even eight, 10 months ago, when the field was huge, said, you know what? I would vote for a Klobuchar. I don't think she'll ever win, but I'd vote for her. I would vote for a Buttigieg. I don't want to vote for Trump, but I need some viable reason I mean, I, and i understand i yeah. understand as progressives I'm, why we don't want to go there yeah but i but i but i also say the chasm has been widened by this president the chasm has been expanded greatly and i would say that if we look at a at a barack obama how farther are we trying to go when we look at some of the centrists of today? How farther are we being asked to stretch with a Hillary Clinton today? This has nothing to do with my, my vote is, but I understand that my vote is one and that if I can campaign and champion for more, then that will have more impact and more magnitude. And I just think that living in Chicago, as all of us do, do as journalists, as business people, as citizens of this city and of Illinois, sometimes we live in a huge bubble of what the well, rest okay. of the world, so, and, and it is why we were shocked by Trump's win. 
Um, so I wasn't. I, I also okay. was, not, I was not shocked. I wasn't. Maybe you all weren't, but no, I was. No, no, but I, so no. there you are. No, you're smarter than me, but no, no, I'm just no, no, saying no, many point, people no, were. No, 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 point taken, but you know, a lot of us couldn't get, get no, no, and I appreciate you, you bringing this up, and I, it is, it's not trivial, but at the end of the day, the, I, I want an honest answer. If it's, it's Trump or a Democratic nominee, and these folks are like, I don't know, then I know the answer. They just right. don't want to tell me what the answer is. Yeah. The answer that they're going to give is Trump. So that to me is the whole conversation on some level feels dishonest right. to me because I already know what's at stake. And so like, I know that this is a, a reality outside of these, these, these walls and outside of the city. And, but I also know that ever since the Voting Rights Act, a majority of white voters have voted for the Republican nominee. And that's, this election's probably not gonna change that. So, no chance it's gonna change that. Yeah, so like, so uh, on some very, like all the never Trumpers, I am, I just, I'm so, <laughs> the Brett Stevens of the world, I, I really am frustrated. Why are we giving him so much energy and so much right. time? Because at the end of the day, they're gonna vote for Trump. So I like, to me, this whole conversation is, there's a little bit of like, Disin like a, kind of a disingenuous conversation. I'm like, I know what's at stake. Absolutely. So if you if you are really if these are people who are you know are concerned about healthcare, concerned about the economy, and to, aren't wealthy, then you know Trump's already shown they're not on. He's not on their side. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what else to say. Right. I don't even know what a Klobuchar or a Buttigieg or a Sanders could say. It's clear what he would do. So right. I mean, like that. I'm, uh, that's why I'm a little bit like, I don't know how to have a, like an intellectually yeah. honest conversation about this. No, that's, that was the point I was making. If, like, people say that they would, they're offended by Trump, right. like his tweets, and don't vote but they're him. not offended by his policies. Right. Kids in cages. I mean, so uh, when I look at see what the Democrats can do to elect uh, and with this crazy electoral map that works against Democratic interests, I always point that out, because uh, I think most of us probably believe that whoever the Democratic nominee is probably get more votes than Trump. So when I look at what the Democrats uh, can do on this electoral map, uh, and I just find it really uh, frustrating to realize that so many people are going to vote against whatever they're uh, ultimate economic interests are or whatever their ultimate environmental concerns are or if you know whatever just go through the list of all the different policies mm -hmm. to vote for Donald Trump and uh, if it's I ha struggle with the notion that a centrist uh, could win them over just by saying I'm with you I'm not going to be as offensive the Joe Biden argument you know the Joe Biden argument that um, we, there's a better way for Americans to act, a better way for American presidents to act. Pete Buttigieg makes the same point, of, uh, and yeah. so does Amy Klobuchar. And I just, I, I just cannot, I have a struggle with that. I can't see that as a winning message. Yeah. Because, first of all, I think a lot of, most Americans like that part of Donald Trump. They just won't admit it to the polls. I think they like that Donald Trump is so outrageous. And, uh, will res respond the most politically incorrect way. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, Amy, I really struggle with this. I don't know if a centrist, uh, if these if these voters that you're talking about would vote for Pete. That's why I asked you the question, do you think they'd vote right. for Pete Buttigieg? And well, I don't yeah, really I, don't know, I don't think they're Democratic voters, ultimately. No, and, and, and so this is the thing, is I, I think two things. One, if you are looking for a reason not to vote for Trump, don't vote for Trump. 
I think yeah. um, you know if 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 you ne- if you need the perfect candidate to yeah. not vote for Donald Trump, then as Samina said, you are a Trump voter. Right. And if you are a Trump voter, frankly, I you know you're if, a dishonest Trump. You're, voter. you're a dishonest Trump voter, and you know what? If you're a Trump voter who wants to change your vote and you don't change your vote, then I'm not interested in how you're going to vote because you were never really considering a different option anyway. And I think to what both of you have been saying is when when we have this conversation, in many ways we've already lost. Right. This election is not going to be won by converting Trump voters into Democratic voters. We know that. There are already more Democratic voters than Republican voters in this country. How this election is going to be won is by turning out new Democratic voters who can overwhelm the Republican turnout, who can make some of those red states blue, who can flip some of those purple states back to blue that, that were lost in 2016, not by converting you know, the handful of Trump voters here or there who might be won over by a Klobuchar or a Buttigieg, but by making sure that the people who have been disenfranchised otherwise have an incentive to vote because they will vote in much higher numbers. Right. When their values are represented on the ballot, when they have a reason to vote, they will vote in higher numbers than, you know, 500 people in a town in Tennessee who would only consider Pete Buttigieg or else they're voting Trump again. Yeah, and let's be clear, like, where, you know, let, again, it's about electoral math. Absolutely. Like, where are we going <laughs> to, if we're going to, like, get some, like, it, the state has to go our way. We need to get those electoral votes. We have another question. Yes. My question was essentially just answered. Uh, however, I'll be quick. Um, <laughs> uh, I phone bank and text for Bernie every week, and basically... I get yes, Bernie or Bloomberg in the past like three weeks. That's all I get. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on um, if it ends up Bernie versus Bloomberg, how we make sure Bloomberg isn't the Democratic nominee. Turnout. Wow. Can can you answer actually some questions about like where you're doing this or are you doing this in the state or are you doing it to New Hampshire voters or where like. Yeah, so uh, I go to a phone banking party every Monday in Humboldt Park, and okay. we call whoever they need us to call, and I text from home on my laptop, like, twice a week. Okay, and what's so, your name? I'm Colette. Well, yeah, let's give Colette a hand for doing what all of us should be doing, which is talking to voters. <laughs> so I think we can never thank people like that enough. Right. But, so, but that is... Man, Bloomberg versus Bernie. I, it's a turnout game. <laughs> Yeah, turnout. That's the that's my one word answer is turnout. Yeah. I mean, in this like, I mean, it it's wow. sort of like it, it would be really interesting had Bloomberg been on the ballot in South Carolina to really see how mm-hmm. things shake out there to see like to test um, that death knell for Joe Biden would have been huge. Yeah, <laughs> and and because I, I think I think Bloomberg <laughs> would have, and again, some of this is. I hate to use like strategic or harm reduction voting, but I think some people are just thinking like it, the money that Bloomberg has, oh, we lost Colette. Uh, um, no, no. Uh, oh, she's back there. I see her, I see her. She's, okay, I just can't see her from this, uh, the lights hitting me right here. Um, the money that he has makes him seem like a formidable candidate, right. but his ideology, his messaging, everything about him as a candidate isn't enough um, to think overcome that. Mm-hmm. But I. I think we're headed to a broker convention. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think we wow. are too, and I think a broker convention means a Bloomberg convention. Right. Because he's going to buy it. Right. He had enough money to buy his way into the debates. There's no reason to think he doesn't have enough money to buy the nomination. Right. Wow. When you a have unlimited resources, convention. it means unlimited resources. Yeah. Right. Right. Good question. Hi. Um, so I would like each of you to. Tell us all which Democratic candidate 
has the best chance to beat Trump and why? And I would like to start with Stephanie because my last question, she didn't answer. She didn't get a chance. So if you could oh, start, no. yeah. that would be great. Um, <laughs> so I think, uh, I think Bern- uh, so I, I endorsed Bernie Sanders and the Girl I Guess Voter Guide. Uh, it was a reluctant endorsement because I'm not the biggest fan of Bernie, but I endorsed him in part because I do believe that Bernie Sanders is the only candidate that can muster the turnout to beat Donald Trump. I think that he can flip some of those states back to blue. I think that he'll, he'll win on, an elector- on a competitive electoral map. Um, and I think that, you know, whatever you think about his supporters, whatever you think about Bernie himself, whatever you think about his policies, he has shown that his ground game is so incredibly strong that he can muster the turnout numbers needed and he motivates voters to vote. When you motivate voters to vote, you win elections. And I don't think that any of the other candidates have that sort of, you know, excitement behind them. I think right. Warren had a chance to, but it's right. clear that she doesn't anymore. Um, I think Bernie, Bernie has the best chance to beat Trump, and my main reason is that he can turn out the votes to do it. So um, I agree with Steph. Uh, I think Sanders does have the, the army, and I think it'll be also really interesting and strategic who he chooses as his vice president. Absolutely. Um, because that'll like change the math. But I think this race is going to be incredibly difficult for any Democratic nominee to win because of all the things we're talking mm-hmm. about, whether it's disinformation, the massive war chest the Republicans and Trump has, and the fact incumbency. We're, we're, we're trying to unseat an incumbent president. That's hard. Yeah. That's really hard. I mean, Not that it, many one-term presidents. Yeah, I mean, it's so, and I remember actually watching um, when Karl Rove had a meltdown in 2012 thinking that Mitt Romney was going to clinch it and, and unseat Barack Obama. So there's a lot, there's, there are people, like, and he was, you know, that was actually a more, uh, like, tenuous election. It turned out, obviously, fine for him, but it was one of those things where, like, they were trying to do to us what we're trying to do to Trump. And so it's, yeah, I, I, think, I think Bernie has, has the boots on the ground, has mm-hmm. the enthusiasm. If the party... Yeah. wasn't standing in his way and trying to like really tamp down any of the enthusiasm, I think we'd be hearing, we'd be having a very different conversation. We wouldn't be talking about, you know... Can so, Bernie win? Yeah, we wouldn't be talking about can Bernie win or, you know, the d- Democratic voters or swing voters as much because we already know that Sanders has this cross, uh, this, you know, like cross-partisan appeal. And it, sometimes it's actually controversial. I mean, his... Ex- acceptance of a Joe Rogan endorsement, we're not going to go down that path, but like just the fact that he's getting people who aren't engaged in politics to be thinking about it and voting mm-hmm. is meaningful. That's actually what Donald Trump did. Yeah. Hi. So I have a question. It seems like the <laughs> um, biggest story tonight is the Klobuchar. Is yeah, the club. It's yeah. clobbering time. So I'm, <laughs> I'd love to hear from the panel what you think that means moving forward, especially as we move to more diverse states. Yeah. Supposedly, Klobuchar's support is similar to Pete, to Pete's with people of color. Let, j- before we answer, just could you give us an update? So I mean, we have um, a we have, we have, we have Bernie Sanders uh, with forty six percent in. We have Bernie Sanders at twenty seven point seven percent with about thirty seven thousand votes. We've got Pete at twenty three point four with thirty one thousand votes. We've got the Clob, Amy Klobuchar, <laughs> uh, coming in at twenty six thousand votes, nineteen and a half percent. Uh, and then Liz Warren, 10% behind that at 9.4. Um, I mean, I think, you know, 
Uh, I think Klobuchar is a really interesting candidate for that reason, is that nobody really knows where this surge is coming from. I think Samina made a great point earlier where she's really cornered that market on the, I want to vote for a woman and I want to vote for a moderate lane. You know, there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of former Hillary Clinton voters in the Klobuchar camp, I'm yeah. sure. Um, but also, I think, I think Klobuchar decided to make a pitch for herself as a vice presidential nominee should, um, should a Buttigieg or a Biden win. And I think that pitch went better than she expected. And she's, st- I mean, you have to remember, Klobuchar was polling at 2 3% not so long ago. And here she is in, at 19.5% in New Hampshire. I, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I think that her vice presidential pitch went a little bit too well. Yeah, and, and, but also, like, I mean, I think, um, and we're going to bring Dan Cohen up here in a second, but, you know, there was a lot of people, there were a lot of folks who, uh, <laughs> no, Cohen, don't walk away, um, that a lot of people watched that debate on Friday, and so that had, like, yeah. that helped her surge. Come on up, Dan. Do real, we, quick, real quick, okay. we're going to do a drawing. Oh, oh. Um, and you tell them what it's for. So yeah, we're going to give away tickets to what the Constitution means to me. Ooh. The Tony Award nominated show from Broadway that's coming to Broadway in Chicago's uh, Broadway Playhouse on Michigan Avenue. Um, you're going to be drawing for somebody to win tickets, two tickets to the show in March. I believe it's in March um, here in Chicago. So this was about a young girl who was passionate about the Constitution, studied the Constitution, and went to Constitution contests and wrote a one-woman Tony award-winning, Tony award-winning Broadway show about this. So. Oh, cool. so Samina is going to draw this. Yes. And she promises she's not going to cheat. Don't cheat. Yeah, don't cheat. Your name's, my name's You're not going to use an app? Yeah, no. It's if you draw your husband, he still Whoever gets to win. Whoever developed the shadow app is, is going to win this. And the winner is? Oh, wow. Pete uh, Buttigieg. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cynthia Taines? She's not here. Do we? Do we? If you're not here, I have to be here. Okay. Yeah, right. Sorry. You must attend the election to win the prize. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna we want to thank Broadway in Chicago for giving this to us. Okay, this person better. Brian Call? Brian. Oh my God, where did all these people go? Oh, he was a Tulsi fan. Okay. Oh, oh. he was a Tulsi fan. Tulsi fan. Don't leave before. Maybe if he didn't stand for Hindu fascism, we'd be in a. Okay, James Griffin. James. Hey! Thank you all for entering to win. James, you're lucky. Now you're the Democratic nominee for president. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm not a Tulsi fan, by the way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I think we uh, have time for two more, including the person you just called up. There's one other person that has a question. Okay. okay. Oh, then we got to shut it down? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we got to. Okay. Oh, we have th- I guess we have three more. All right. Okay. Just a quick response. So you don't have to go too far. What do you make of what's happening with Mitt Romney and how the Republicans are shunning him? What do you think is the I whole real story or... What do you think's going on about that? His true intentions. Do you I mean, believe him or what? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Mitt Romney. I, so to be completely honest, I don't really care about Mitt Romney. Um, I don't think he's particularly interesting. I don't think that he. I think he can sort of do whatever he wants because as a, as like the country's most famous Mormon, he will never lose an election in Utah. Um, so he can openly. Well, right. Well, so he voted to impeach because he has no electoral considerations. He can vote his values, and he's been anti-Trump the whole time. Um, he's not going to win. He's not going to lose an election in Utah. He could have voted however he wanted. He could have said whatever he wanted, and he would have been fine. Trump isn't particularly popular in Utah, um, and I don't think that. You know, I think if Mitt Romney is having a change of heart, it's a little bit. It's too little, too late. 
I uh, I wish the more Republicans were like Mitt Romney, yeah. actually, on that particular vote. I think a lot of the point you made that he is not vulnerable. I think a lot of I don't think Susan Collins would have been vulnerable in Maine. I think that I, th- I think the same principle Susan Collins is the most vulnerable senator. No, but had she voted. Oh, had she impeach, voted. Against, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's my and point. Had she voted yeah. Against uh, in Kavanaugh and yeah. et cetera and so forth. So uh, the Republicans, I say this all the time, just remind me of. Chicago aldermen during the days of daily, they were just chicken. So yeah, yeah, they didn't want to take a stand. So I give Romney credit for it. All right, do we have a? Did you want to bring? Yeah, do you want Dan? Oh, are you going to go next? Go ahead. Uh, My view here is probably in the minority, but uh, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter. But in the end, I'm prepared to vote blue no matter who, because one topic that none of you have addressed tonight is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg at 85 years old is hanging on by her fingertips. And if you're going to say, oh, well, my candidate, you said earlier Mm -hmm. that if Amy Klobuchar is the nominee, you're prepared to vote Green Party. Really? I don't believe believe Amy Klobuchar. Okay, you ask yourself what happens when Donald Trump gets reelected because Bernie wasn't the nominee or your candidate wasn't the nominee. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes on. Right. You ask yourself what's going to happen to gay marriage in this country. What's get, the Affordable Care Act is also hanging on by its fingernails. So you take these, these issues into consideration. There are, there are some real consequences to this election. I'm not interested in falling in love with somebody. Right. I'm interested in voting for somebody who can beat Donald Trump. And this nonsense that... The Democratic Party is standing in the way of Bernie Sanders becoming the nominee is exactly that nonsense. The only entity that can do that are voters. That's the entity that can do that. And if you're you're not prepared to accept that, then you better be prepared to deal with Donald Trump for four more years. Because that's exactly what happened in 2016. I mean, so I, I will say... Uh, first of all, I don't believe that Amy Klobuchar... I, I have, as Samina said, I have a hard time believing any Democrat can really win this election. It is well, hard... there you go. That's well, my point. When, and, and, I, when, and so I, I do not believe, for example... Then you've already lost. Well, and, and no, you know what? Yeah. That's, when no, a boxer enters the ring... Let's take a look at sports well, analogy. Well, so you've already asked your question. Okay, Let me sorry, respond. Let ahead. me respond. So I, I don't believe that... I, I believe that there are a handful of candidates in this race who can actually win. One of those candidates is Donald Trump because he said he can do it before. He's, he could and he very well might get reelected no matter who the Democrats nominate right. because he has already, he's already won a presidential election. He's shown right. he can do it. I don't believe that people who are not inspirational to voters who don't already vote are going to win this election. And so you know what? Like, and, and, and you know what? Also to the other point, I'm, I'm so tired of the, oh, you better be afraid about what's going to happen if Trump gets reelected. You know, I was afraid in 2016 and Trump got reelected, like, Trump got elected anyway. Um, you know, me and everybody that I love are already living in a state of, of at least concern every single day. And, you know, at, at this point, I don't believe that, you know, if, if Trump gets reelected, will it get worse? Yeah, maybe. But, you know, maybe. I mean, he's... 
You know, I, it's, it, it's, al it's already really bad. It's already really, really bad. And I don't, you know, the people that I love and me and me, me, and, well, hold on. You're, you're throwing up your hands. Like, you it know, is, it's not. What, and hold, wait, wait, wait. So look, look at who you're talking to. You're talking to it. Why do you stay wait, home then? You're, stay you're, home. Why even vote? Stay home. So then. you're, you're, you're talking to a Jewish trans woman. I, I have plenty of reasons that. to be afraid of Donald Trump. And you know what? Like. I, I truly don't believe that there are a lot of candidates in this race that can beat him. I'm not a Bernie stan. I don't care what you are. And, and you know what? If I'm, I'm, so, I'm so tired of fear-based arguments telling me who to vote for and what I should do. If I don't have my principles, at the end of the day, you know what? If we have to overthrow Donald Trump with some sort of mass movement, if he wins the election again, then so, so, like, so fucking be it. I want to stand by my goddamn principles, and I'm not going to let anybody tell me how to vote or who to vote for if I don't believe they actually have my best interests at heart. I don't know if Bernie Sanders has my best interests at heart. Donald Trump certainly doesn't. Pete Buttigieg certainly doesn't. Amy Klobuchar certainly doesn't. Joe Biden, Michael Bloomberg certainly don't. So you know what? If, if I don't think that the community that stands behind me will accept my recommendation to vote for one of those candidates, then I'm not going to put my values on the line and tell them to vote for somebody that I wouldn't vote for just because I'm afraid of Donald Trump. Because you know what? I was afraid in 2016. He won anyway. I'm afraid today he might win anyway again. So I may, you know what? If I'm going to go down, I may as well go down swinging. Really? By, by, voting, by voting for a, a Green Party we're candidate in this, but we're who, in this. just because your Democrat didn't win? In the state of Illinois, the sorry, in the state of Illinois, this, this we're, it's, it's, it's going to go for the Democratic nominee. We're a blue state. Let's right. just, it, so let's not even like that. This is sort of an absurd conversation to begin with. But really, the, the only people I see, and this is the last I want to say and I want to bring Dan on, is the only people I see getting yelled at to vote blue no matter who are the people who are marginalized and are, are already or like either saw it coming like I did or have been feeling the brunt of Trump's policies much more, uh, you know, profoundly. So like I'm, I'm that there is this is like an absurd conversation where we're Thank constantly you. talking to people and trying to convince Republicans who are never going to vote for us or people who don't understand what it's like up, up close to be in, in danger or, or know that it could change in, in, at a, on a dime. So, like, to me, this is not a, a useful conversation. You can't, you're not going to mobilize people who with are fear. not engaged uh, with fear and you're not going to mobilize people with shame. It doesn't well, work. If I can just say one more thing, and I understand. No, it's not a marginalized conversation. It's, but the reality is that not everybody shares your values, just like not everybody shares my values, but... but they don't have to. But yeah. No, they don't. But you can su I support single-payer health care. Maybe you got... I'm, I'm going to assume that the three of you do as well yeah. or support something yeah. very similar. But I can still at the same time vote for somebody who may not support single payer, but, can, but does support Medicare for all, because I know that even a Medicare for all system is a hell of a lot better than what we have now, uh, okay. and certainly would be a lot better if yeah, the Affordable uh, Care Act is overturned, which is a right, real that, And that's very nice. Okay, okay. Let me, right. we're gonna bring a, a, a one, Dan on to yeah. talk, yeah. but I will say this, I'm with you, I'm a vote blue no matter who person, but I am not a yell at the steps of the world person because they don't agree. I have many dear friends with the Green Party persuasion and I listen to them and I realize there's no way 
absolutely no way they're going to vote for an Amy Klobuchar or a Pete Buttigieg. I know that. I, I've been around them my whole lives. So it's like if, if a Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg want to win the election, they can't do it by trying to guilt trip the Green Party exactly. people of the world. When, the it's and, just not going to work. Right. And I... I hear you. Like, that doesn't like, work. That's, that's with, not an honest you. conversation. And, and, that's not an honest and, and, conversation. And, and so, I, so I will say, just, just, like, just to clear the air, I am, I'm not a Green... I think the Green Party is sort of wacky. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but I, I will also say, you know, I'm so tired of people telling me what to be afraid of. Like, look at me. I'm, I could get fucking murdered on my way back to my car after this event, and it would surprise nobody. Uh, well, and, and I think I'm pretty, uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm gonna reiterate, I, I could get murdered on, the, on my way back to my car after this event tonight, and it would surprise nobody. I am not gonna compromise the things that I believe in out of fear and shame. If I, if I did things because of shame, I, n I wouldn't be here right now. I would still be a closeted person pretending to be a cis dude in suburban Chicago. I'm so fucking tired of being told what to be ashamed of and what to be afraid of. Even in liberal Chicago, where you know my vote in a presidential election really doesn't matter, I am going to do what I think is most consistent with my worldview and my values. And if you don't like it, you don't have to fucking listen to me. Uh, do, do you want to bring Dan on? Yeah, Dan, do you want to... So I okay. So we're 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 called, I know poor Dan is just like okay. Look, so the the reason I'm bringing Dan Cohen on is he's a pollster and he grew up not far from New Hampshire. So I was curious. I actually want yeah, Dan yeah. to like kind of chime in on this conversation oh, a little please, bit. Yes. Yeah. To, uh, which part? So <laughs> I, I would actually love to hear you uh, as a pollster. Where's the Amy Klobuchar's votes coming from? And what does it mean going Explain forward? Explain the mystery, yeah. please. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think it's a mystery at all. There's, um, look, the, the biggest single thing um, dictated, you had a situation with an incredibly fluid electorate, and New Hampshire, which prides itself on taking right. its time, deciding late, getting, you know, you ask the old joke in New Hampshire, you ask someone who they're going to vote for, they say, I don't know, I haven't met them all yet. You know, they take their time and look into this. Right. And then you had a, a unique thing in recent history where you had a debate three days before the election where a candidate who had always been a middling candidate not only made the moderate case better than anyone had to that point, but made the case that she was the one to carry that torch and right. did it in particular by being the only one to go after Bernie Sanders who's been carrying the torch on the left. So it's a, it's a fascinating situation, and what it portends going forward is anybody's guess. But suddenly you had someone saying, on the other side from it, saying, hey, we need a different approach, we need a different calculus, and I'm the one who's willing to call out the progressive case and the progressive calculus. And it worked really well. I mean, it looks like Buttigieg is gonna come in second, but yeah. the story tonight is Klobuchar. And if we're going to offer a better case to move things, we damn well better understand exactly why that happened, exactly to whom that argument is appealing, mm -hmm. and, f and, f and up our game for a better case, because as much as, you know, whichever progressive candidate we like, or Bernie or whatever, uh, we had a disappointing showing. We did not jack turnout in the way we've been promising will happen. 
And the candidate making the direct case against that just had the story of the night. So I mean, I, that to me is what's interesting about what what came out. And all and and a sub part of that is Elizabeth Warren tanked. Yeah. Right. So what, would you would you then say that it is clobbering time? <laughs> I, 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 absolutely. Just it's clobbering time. That. Well, I'd be also curious to see. Well, like, thanks, thank you, Dan, yeah. for that. Yeah, um, thank you. What the difference is, like, they they said that twenty the Iowa um, turnout wasn't particularly strong. Right. They, like they they didn't see the surge. So it'll be interesting to see what the numbers are from New Hampshire and if if that actually tracks. But again, going back to sort of something that's sort of like simmering under all of this is. Iowa is 91% white, and New Hampshire is 93% white. And we have other states in the country. People live other places? They do, including this state. So uh, there's a lot more to to come through. This isn't just West Hampshire? Exactly. (laughs) That's it. Time up. It's to wrap time it up. for wrapping up. Uh, we're going to be set breaking down. So if anybody has any questions off oh, totally offline, but um, thank you all for coming out. Uh, we have uh, the next event we're doing is at Promontory in Hyde Park on Super Tuesday. Uh, a lot of guests coming down there. Um, please join us. Thank you so much to G-Man and Lauren and everybody here um, for making it great. And um, you can catch this online later. It's going to be on the. Um, explain how that works, Ben. Uh, Dennis is going to. Uh, <laughs> Probably this weekend, you think, D? Oh, he left. Oh, he left. Yeah, probably this weekend we'll drop it. It'll be up on the podcast. So thanks all. Listen to ben, the Ben Jurafsky Show um, Tuesday through Friday. And uh, thanks for coming to Chicago Reader event.